You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime and coordinates for the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, updates, reviews on season finales of The Book of Boba Fett, uh, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, uh, all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe uh, like I said, today we're, we're super excited to be back talking about the final two episodes of The Book of Boba Fett, along with some other exciting Star Wars news we've got coming up. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys? What's up, guys? Doing great. I can't believe seven weeks have already passed since The Book of Boba Fett first premiered, but what a great seven weeks it's been. There's just nothing quite like getting weekly Star Wars content, no matter if it's animated or live action. It's been nice getting live action stuff the last three years, but it's just all great getting this weekly Star Wars content. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk about these last two episodes. So I uh, just can't wait to get into it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to talk about today. I mean, there's a uh, I don't know. There's it's going to be crazy to go through everything. And I this is going to be the year that things are going to get crazy. And we've already got through what the Book of Boba Fett. Now we have uh Obi Wan in like a few few months. I mean, it's going to come here real quick. So I mean, we're we are in the a real amazing year of Star Wars already. You know, mm-hmm. minus some of the mild criticisms we'll have, but yeah, I'm I've been I'm very very happy with what we're, we're getting right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's jump right into it. I know we're going to have a lot to talk about with these last two episodes of Book of Boba Fett. So let's get through the news real quick. Um, the biggest news item of the past couple weeks being that we now have a poster and an official release date for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, uh, which is coming out May 25th on Disney+. Plus. Um, I mean, thank goodness we didn't actually get a trailer yet, because otherwise this episode would be like five hours long. Um, <laughs> and I'm wondering, so as we're recording this, it's the night before Super Bowl Sunday. So this is Saturday night. Um and I, there's part of me that wonders, like, I haven't heard any rumors about this or anything, but I wonder if we might get a teaser for it during the Super Bowl tomorrow. Um, that might just be wishful thinking on my part, but, you know, they always show a lot of big, like, movie previews and, and teasers and stuff. I know there's going to be one for, uh, well, they already released a full trailer for Jurassic World, but I think they're going to show yeah. a preview of that during the Super Bowl. And I think there's also going to be a teaser for the uh, the Lord of the Rings show. Yep. Um so I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I'm like, man, they could throw Obi-Wan in there with all that other stuff. But it would be a big surprise because they haven't announced that it's coming. Yeah, um, I, at first so, I'd say I'll, no way. But with the date officially announced, part of me is like, uh, there's a small chance yeah. that maybe we can be surprised tomorrow. There's oversaturation, and, and the, though. That's, my, that's, that's what I would think with all the other trailers that are dropping. 
Possibly, but again, if it's just a quick, you know, 30-second tease or something like that, or even something that is, I don't know, you know, like one of those real early teaser kind of things that's not like a full-blown trailer, um, just something that, to get you hyped and let you know it's coming. Because like, there's there's oversaturation, but there's also a lot of visibility on that um, mm-hmm. to get people excited. All that to say, I, I only bring that up to say, you know, we're recording the night before and we probably won't have this episode out until maybe like Monday or Tuesday. So if you're listening to this and you've already seen an Obi-Wan trailer, <laughs> uh, we'll get to that on our next Cat episode. Out of the bag. It's not live. <laughs> Way to ruin yeah. the illusion. <laughs> not bad. I was just thinking too, remember how there was the reports and rumors and it could have just been that, but how for Disney Plus Day, we were supposedly supposed to get an Obi-Wan trailer. What yeah. if there was like a short tease already cut and ready to go for that and they held it back and now maybe tomorrow would be the time to release it? Well, and that's the thing. Like there's one out there somewhere. It's just a question of when we're going to get it. Yeah. Um, the other question too, with the release date being May 25th, I think me and a lot of other people were assuming that it would have been May the 4th since, mm-hmm. you know, these past couple of years, we've always had something dropping on May 4th. Um, like last That's year, weird to me, by the way, that seems yeah, weird. Last, last year we had the premiere of Bad Batch. The year before that, we had the finale of Clone Wars. Um, now this year, or I mean, with May 25th, it is going to be like, I think the 45th anniversary of A New Hope. And, you know, the May 25th was the day that that premiered in theaters. Um, so they may have just wanted to do it just for that, but that also makes me think, um, I mean, I'm sure at the very least we'll get like the final trailer for Obi-Wan probably released on May 4th. Um, but I wonder if there might also be some other kind of surprise or something that they have in store for that day. Um, and we know, so it's officially confirmed now Obi-Wan's coming in May and we know from like the Disney investor call or whatever that Cassian is coming in sometime in the fall. Cause they said it was like quarter four, but that's like their fiscal quarter. And I think that's between like July and September or something like that. Um, and then we're expecting Mandalorian season three, like sometime, hopefully around the end of uh, the end of the year or i wouldn't even be surprised if we end up waiting until january or something for that yeah i I was Um, thinking that too kyle i I don't know if we're gonna get Mandalorian. we'll probably get like we did book of boba fett maybe one episode before the end of the year yeah maybe like tail end of december yeah something like that no um but we still have bad batch season two and we don't know where you know that's gonna slot in and if that's gonna maybe overlap with something at some point i'm gonna go uh, if they said spring that's what i think someone i think what was it uh insider star wars insider or something like that said that it was gonna be spring oh really i hadn't even heard that so if it's a spring you're thinking probably what well gosh might even be next month after yeah, yeah well, maybe well that's the thing too is if it's i mean if it's 16 episodes like the first season was if did, they release it sometime in like march or april like it wouldn't be over by the time obi-wan yeah. end, or by, by the time obi-wan starts so did, we might get some stuff overlapping at some point did bad batch come out while loki was out or one of the other marvel shows was out, or was it always like every <sighs> other i don't i, I think it was in between Falcon and Winter Soldier before it was definitely before Loki started because Loki was in June. Bad Batch started May the fourth. I just don't know for sure if Falcon and Winter Soldier ended before that. Then the new yeah. because, because could be. But it would have been. Oh, you know, yeah, it was going on the same time as Loki because Loki was coming out on Wednesday. Wednesday and, and they were coming out on Friday. Friday. Still coming That's out right. Friday. Yeah. So that then I would imagine it's going to be in in the because uh, Moon Knight comes out the thirty first, right, or last week of March. So yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, it's going to either, because, and that's only going to be six episodes. So it's not going to be very long. 
Um, yeah. So if Bad Batch does come out in the spring, it's going to be overlapping with something. Or no, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's going to overlap with anything because if if um, well, or, I mean, at least with something Marvel, if not Star Wars. Yeah. Or well, that's what I was thinking because if if it's the end of May, because if how well how many episodes was the first season of Bad Batch? Sixteen. Sixteen. Oh crap! Yeah, it is an overlap. Then you're right. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Well, if you're thinking, if it comes, if they release that right after Obi Wan, or that, no, wouldn't be, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be spring. Moon Knight. That would I'm be, saying Moon That would be because Moon Knight's only six episodes. So you're yeah. thinking that's what I'm saying. So it would be done before the end of April, and then you could yeah, it'll have to overlap with that. Yeah, yeah, because there's right. only there would only be a month in between Moon Knight and yeah, you're right. So yeah, Bad Batch is probably going to be overlapping with something regardless when it comes out. Yeah, um, which is fine by me. I can have two Star Wars oh, yeah. series going at once. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't think they would ever oh. do that with the live with the live action stuff, but to have a live action and an animated going on at once, I think that would be fine. So, to be um, honest, I mean, thinking about this, guys, you know, when we <laughs> eight years ago getting animated Obi Wan or um, Bad Batch animated Clone Wars series to then oh Obi Wan Kenobi is gonna be like either overlap with it or like start right after right, it's done. Yeah, man, I'd be like. What, can I just like hibernate, you know, carbonate myself right now and just get into yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, back back when we first saw like the uh, the unfinished Bad Batch episodes at Celebration, if you yeah. tell us that would know, be crazy to see. Like, like, don't worry. A few <laughs> years from now, these guys will be getting their own ongoing animated series, and it'll be on at the same time as an Obi Wan live action series, right after a live action Boba Fett series, and you know all this other stuff going on. It's crazy, man. Yeah, I know. Um, let's just, we all knew Obi-Wan was coming probably around May because there was a lot of reports and rumors signaling towards that. But just getting that official date and knowing that now, that 25th, we could circle that on the calendar. We can pinpoint on that time period to get fully excited. But we're still coming off the hype of a Boba Fett TV series. And the fact that the very next thing of Star Wars and live action anyway is a series about Obi-Wan. I mean, come on. Come it on just, yeah. It's hard to get better than that. I mean, I'm sure it probably will once we get more series and stuff announced. But right now, it's just so awesome that these are the two big Star Wars content um, that we're getting back to back from each other. And it's that not that long of a wait either. It's just a couple of months. It's just insane. Back yeah. in my day, I waited for Clone Wars coming on Blu-ray to binge it. <laughs> yeah right um, seriously, if, you missed, if, you, if you missed an episode well i guess if you missed an episode like they used to put all the episodes online on starwars.com but you know yeah it wasn't like you had yeah, access i totally all forgot about that was. that's right yeah 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 what a time to be alive. but they wouldn't be up there for for long you know they always only had like the five most recent episodes or something like that yeah that's um, true and that's what and that's what i that's how i kind of stayed current for a minute um was i saw the talves out arc on a star i think either a cartoon network or Basically, it was through the same thing. It was only the five ep- current episodes, and I, I saw that. I'm like, this is amazing. And then right after that was like the like the Coruscant like arc. I'm like, or, or not Coruscant, but back to Naboo, where like you know it's like a, oh it's yeah, a, yeah 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 shadow virus. The, no no the was, shadow virus. No, it, was, it was the one before that because I think um, they had the boyfriend ex boyfriend episode with with, pa- with Padme. Then the blue shadow virus was right after that. But I didn't even make it. No, because that, that one well, wasn't that season. Works. That one's in season two. Yeah, was it? Yeah. Well, either way, I watched something with like Naboo. Maybe it was the Blue Shadow Virus. I'm like, this is yeah. Cool. The Blue Shadow Virus is on Naboo. And then like, I, I then I, the rest is history. I got the, rest, I got the next the season for Christmas the next year. And then I binged that and became this is amazing. <laughs> anyway, here I am. Yeah. Twenty years later, um, God, it killed me. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's not 20 years late. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We don't want to make it that old. Excuse me. One more year. It'll be 20. No, like five more years, but still, it's coming up quick. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's going to be weird. It's been 20 years since Clone Wars came out. Time time flies, homie. I'm going to feel old that day, but you know what? We're not there yet. We're not there. It's only been like 14 years. So, Um, no, I'm not. You're not there yet. Um, but a couple other things to mention with the, the Obi-Wan announcement. Um, you and McGregor did an interview just recently with uh, Forbes magazine, and he was talking about, um, you know, just the excitement of the show and everything. He didn't really give any new details or anything, but was talking about working with Hayden Christensen and Deborah Chow and, you know, just talking about how excited he is for the fans to see it and all that stuff. But the one exciting tidbit in this that he did officially confirm, and I think we were all expecting to see this, um, especially, you know, they cast Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. And we were like, well, why would you cast Hayden specifically if we're never going to like see his face or see him as Anakin at some point? Um, but Ewan did confirm that he and Hayden got to film scenes together as Anakin and Obi-Wan, which is incredibly exciting. And again, you know, not really surprising. I think we were all hoping to see that, but just to get that confirmation from him, that was really cool. Um, so I'm sure we'll probably get to see, you know, some Clone Wars flashbacks or something um hopefully even get to see them with ahsoka in live action that would be really cool too um i think that's gonna happen i think nothing's off the table now (laughs) really yeah yeah um so yeah just one more there i mean (laughs) oh well with with, that's my thing though with the like you know they they could do anything they want now like it's everything's on the table they can wreck the trilogy i'm just kidding i'm just (laughs) kidding i'm just kidding I hope you are. <laughs> I am. I do not want, I do not want I know that. you are. I do not want that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we got that. And then uh, also alongside this, there's a new uh, Marvel Comics Obi-Wan series that's going to be coming out around the same time. Um, there's just going to kind of be like a series of stories throughout Obi-Wan's life. Um, so can, for those of you that are into the Star Wars comics and stuff. Um, yeah, only we'll Cal's like, yeah, for those who like to read, not me, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's not like an official like series tie-in or anything Whoa! like that. It's not, I couldn't um, resist. You know me. I could yeah, not not necessarily something essential uh to go along. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, whoa I might whoa, check that whoa. out. Well, it, no, I'm just saying one. it's not something that like if you're gonna watch the show, you also have to read these comics. It's well, just some true. additional that's... some additional Obi-Wan stuff. Let's be real, you're gonna read it because Obi-Wan, bro. I don't know. We'll see. What are you serious? Wait, we'll see. One of, favorite, one of your favorite characters? He's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, you're gonna read it. I mean, I still haven't read that one comic with where he like fights Kersantin or whatever. I didn't even know about that. Was well, well, that's and that's a more of a uh, that is more obscure, and that would make sense because it was just a, a one shot in the ongoing series. So Pretty early it, on in the run, yeah, too. It's, it's only like the first twenty-five issues, and I, since you don't read anything, I, I, I'm not surprised you didn't read, you didn't see it, because it is. It, there's a couple different uh, issues that they have, like little off, little one shots, um, a part of the ongoing, not just like an offshoot miniseries, which I liked. Um, which I want actually. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah, and this is actually a good segue, <laughs> um, because um, the uh, again, and I'm not trying to be funny here. Uh, I don't think. You've read a lot of the ongoing comics, right, Kyle? So, I, because oh, yeah, I have. I, I think with like the main Star Wars title, I've read maybe just the first volume. Get on that, man. There, there's some really. Good, I mean, there's some. There, it's mostly good, but that's a whole different story. 
a whole different podcast. That's why I'm my show. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> in, in the actual comic, it's cool because um, in the first arc, uh, Luke goes back, fights Boba Fett actually, and um, goes back to the old uh, old Ben's uh, hut and finds the book of Obi Wan Kenobi. It's like a diary, and so um, with that, they use that as a as a storytelling tool to where he can go off and read a tale about Obi Wan back on Tatooine, and you go oh, back, you know, so you go back, and they're actually really good. Again, go on Carmel, uh, Carmel. Oh my God, I love Carmel <laughs> Corns. I got it on the mind right now, obviously. Um, if you go back into the uh, the first volume of the 2015 uh, Marvel comic books, I think it's issue like the first one's issue around issue 12 or whatever. You let's look at the covers; you'll see them. It's Obi Wan Kenobi. You can't miss it. So there's like I think that's issue 12 or 13, and then it's issue 25 for um, for sure for the Chrysanthemum issue. I want to say uh, it's a Peter. No, um, Simone uh, Blanche, I think, or whatever her name is. Uh, she does the uh, the art for the first Obi Wan comic, and then it's uh, something Mayhu. Um, what's for his name? But he does more realistic realism looking characters, um, like more like, screen accurate, if you will. And it's a really good comic. That's actually a really good issue. But I wonder if that's going to be a storytelling device in the actual TV series um, and an actual comic book they're going to be doing for the, uh, the miniseries for this uh, coming up because that was what they used for the comic books. And, and it, was, it was a good idea and it's a, a good way, a storytelling tool to go all over the timeline for Obi-Wan Kenobi. So you don't have to be a linear story. It could be one issues like, you know, him early on, on Tatooine. One could be like right in the middle. One could be towards the tail end, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, and one kind of final thing, you know, wrapping that up. I don't know who the artists are or the art artist is. Tim, I'm not sure if you know. No, but, uh, yeah. Um, if I was more prepared. Uh, but uh, Christopher Cantwell is the writer. And I'm a big fan of his stuff. He's he's kind of a screenwriter, also a comic book writer. And he did a phenomenal uh, Dr. Doom uh, uh, maxi, I could call it maxi series now, but it was an ongoing pretty much. And it was really good. I loved it. And he's doing a run on Iron Man, which I love. I love this Iron Man run a lot. And uh, a lot of people don't love it, but I love it. He's a solid writer. He's a really, really solid writer. And I think him doing Obi-Wan is really, really cool. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with it. Obi-Wan is – it's weird because as I, he's one of my favorite Star Wars characters. And he hasn't really been – besides like the EU – and the phenomenal book, I loved Kenobi. I, I, I wish they'd make that canon. That's a yeah, great, that's easily, a great easily. You could make that canon easily. Um, but besides that, they haven't there hasn't been a lot of Kenobi stuff that has come out besides maybe this is sad, besides the few comic books he's been in, um, the one shots, you know, from the ongoing series, and maybe the um what's her name? Oh my god. Um, the uh, the uh, from a certain point of view uh, story that she did the, from that one I haven't really liked a lot of the stuff that they've done with the character to be honest. So well, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those things where like because they've been planning, you know, I mean, we know that like we're getting an Obi Wan series now, but originally it was planned as a spinoff film. You know, like a, one of the, back when they were doing the a Star Wars story films, um, 
And so since it's probably been in development so long, it's probably been one of those things where they told like the not the book writers and the comic writers like Obi-Wan's off limits because we're sitting, you know, until yeah, we get to yeah, do yeah. what we're doing with him on the screen. I know that was the case for um Boba Fett. For yeah, Boba Fett too, for something. Yeah. yeah, maybe with with either like the sequel trilogy or there was somebody that I saw talking about that on Twitter recently, like a writer or somebody that was like uh you know was told that they couldn't do anything with boba fett because they were saving that for a movie or whatever and i'm glad um, they did and, and, but now that we have the book of boba fett and everything i mean we'll, we'll get into potential spoilers or spoilers but ideas for maybe a potential season two here in a second but yeah uh, but yeah I, I think that's was the right call even though even yeah. though you could oh, yeah. you could have easily done some fun stories here or there but i think that well really quick I do think they were probably not having to do what they're doing now. And I'm not even saying like from this book of Boba Fett storyline, but like with even Tem, it definitely felt yep. like they were going to go like a totally different route with it. And then totally that got, they, and they got discarded. And now <laughs> but I know. Thank goodness. I, mm -hmm. I'm so happy about that. But anyway, yeah, I, I closing up, I think the Obi-Wan comic will be fun. Campbell's a really solid writer to good. I think really good writer. So I think um, it'll be cool to see what he does with the, with the character. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, for me, like I'll go on you guys recommendation. Cause I'm sure you're going to get it as soon as it comes out. And when I do read star Wars comics on occasion, I always just wait till the paperbacks come out anyways. Um, so if it's one that you guys are like, Hey, this is great. You got to read it. I probably will. And if it's like, Hey, it's pretty good. And who knows? We've, been pretty, we've been pretty good um, with the recommendations for you. I think so far for comics. Yeah. So, um, but let's get into this last bit of news, and then we can get into talking about Boba Fett. Um, and we got another bit of casting news for the Ahsoka series that uh, Ray Stevenson has joined the cast. And, uh, you know, for those of us that are into, you know, Marvel and stuff, probably know him best as uh, Volstagg from the Thor movies. Um, but he's been cast as a villain in the Ahsoka series and uh, is apparently playing an Admiral-type character, but not Thrawn. Um, and this is from the Hollywood Reporter saying this. So um, it'll be interesting to see. The, I, I would assume he's probably, you know, maybe Thrawn second in command or, you know, some other kind of Imperial Admiral. Um, but also maybe one that even is in contention with him. Like maybe he's working mm -hmm. with Moff Gideon and is like sort of in charge of the the remaining Imperial remnant like in the galaxy. And then Thrawn comes in from like the unknown regions to try to take over or whatever. So um it'd be interesting to see how he factors into that um and you know I, I think we've talked about some other uh casting news for that show with uh you know some new characters that we don't know about yet so it'd be fun to see uh who shows up in that show and and you know what is all going to be going down in the Ahsoka series when we finally get to see that um and that is according to this article too is uh shooting in Los Angeles at the end of April so um should be gearing up for production pretty soon here. And I would imagine with, um, you know, with that beginning shooting soon that we'll get like a full cast announcement um, either sometime in April or, I mean, I guess by the time of celebration, that'll already be a month after they've started shooting. So I don't know if they'll save that for celebration or if we'll get some kind of announcement beforehand, like before they actually start. Um, but regardless, that'll be fun. I mean, we've seen that for like the Cassian series and for the Obi-Wan series when they, you know, just release like the pictures of all the cast and maybe even say who some of them are playing. So it'd be cool to see that when uh, Ahsoka gets underway, but I'm looking forward to that series, especially after seeing her again in, in book of Boba Fett, which we'll talk about in a minute here and knowing that 
Uh, we're going to see Thrawn in live action for the first time and everything. I think that one's going to be sort of a big event series for, you know, whatever this is all building towards in this universe. And I think there's going to be a lot of cool stuff in that. So looking forward to it. Yeah. Every bit of piece of news that comes out for Ahsoka just makes it sound better and better. So I definitely, when I read the press release or not press release, but the article from the Hollywood reporter and it said he's playing an admiral i thought oh is, is this thrawn right <laughs> before it said right afterwards not thrawn but i was just wondering if the Hollywood reporter doesn't know who thrawn is and they just said admiral they know who thrawn. But the fact <laughs> yeah. that they mentioned it not too long after that's like okay so definitely confirm that he's playing a new character but just don't know who yet i i, I and i have no idea if this has already been speculated on or if i'm stealing this from somebody else but i wouldn't be surprised if it's admiral pelion i did is, see that too yeah, I'm sure that because that's been confirmed. He's canon, you know, in the last episode of Rebels or last couple episodes of Rebels or whatever. Peleon's in it. It would make sense. He'd be that old. Um, it's really cool that I, you know, it definitely feels like they're they're doing some kind of homage or some kind of, you know, canonization of the Heir to the Empire trilogy with, you know, different characters, which is really fascinating, to be honest. And uh, really exciting. Um, it's what it seems like what they're doing. And I think Ahsoka is going to be a really interesting um, experiment, if you will, that I think that Disney, uh, and, and I say Disney, but Lucasfilm is going is to look closely at and see how, just, how, and again, Book of Boba Fett's a good example of kind of like a little bit of their dip of toes in the water of of adapting these these animated characters and bring into live action or from the comic books or whatever. And you're seeing the reactions and things like that and how well they all work together. So it is really exciting to see where, where this could go. And I think that what, what they're building towards is really, really interesting. And I'm, I'm really, I think Ahsoka is going to be, it's going to be interesting. I'll just say this. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. The reaction of that, because um, I think, and I, and I don't mean the, the Star Wars Twitter reaction. I'm talking about the mainstream reaction. I think it's yeah. going to be very interesting where that goes because if that if that hits and resonates with people, then I think pe then there's even be more adaptations of like characters from the comics from the books that are exclusive to that. Because Cobb Band, all these other these characters, they're getting so much so much life and, and action outside of the the mediums they were introduced or or prevalent in, and Ahsoka obviously a big part of that as well. And they're just, they're doing really well and they're resonating with people and not just, and again, not just with Star Wars Twitter or, or people who are angry about whatever reason, but actually, you know, for the mainstream audience, it seems like responding well to them because they're casting well. So we'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah, I'm thinking it's really, I think it's a, it's a big deal because I think, because obviously we're going to get Sabine and Ezra and it's going to be all based on, <laughs> you know, non uh, major characters from, you know, being adapted into on the screen, you know, with the Mandalorian, at least it was an, you know, on original character on for the medium. Now it's all adaptation into that series. So very, very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, let's get into book of Boba Fett. Um, speaking of Luke and Ahsoka and all that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we, I, the last time we recorded, we talked about the well, I guess episodes two through five. So we've just got six and seven to talk about. And we'll start off with episode six. Um, and then we'll talk about the finale. Um, and gosh, episode six was another one where we could do 
probably a whole podcast just about this episode. So we'll try not to talk about this one too long, but there was so much great stuff in here. Um, And before we even get to the end with, uh, you know, Cad Bane and the short amount of screen time that Boba had in the episode of his own show again, um, just the whole first half of the episode with uh, Din going to visit Grogu and seeing him with Luke and all the Jedi training stuff was just incredible. I watched it again today. And, um, I mean, it was one of those things where I was just, I kind of just lost myself in it and just found myself like smiling subconsciously, like, you know, just, I mean, it it would make me happy anyways, but it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't stop smiling, watching this stuff if I wanted to, um, just, you know, watching Luke train Grogu, watching him, you know, talking about Yoda, like showing him the force, even just, you know, that first scene where he like lifts all the frogs, um, and the way that they did the, you know, just the digital face on Luke this time was leaps and bounds better than what it was in uh, the finale of The Mandalorian Season 2, which was, um, I mean, you know, for a, for a short cameo, it's like you could see some some sort of technical imperfections in that. But it was like, you know, it's good enough. I'll give it a pass because it's Luke Skywalker and it still looks good. Um, you know, the way he moved was a little stiff and, you know, all that. But it was like for a first attempt, it was, it was great. And, you know, we were all just excited seeing the lightsaber and seeing him fight the dark troopers and all that stuff. But to go from that to this, where he's having, you know, full on conversations with Grogu and Ahsoka and was so much more like expressive with his face. And I know it was all still like completely digital recreation. And there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, should this be the norm and, you know, the ethics of, you know, recreating actors and all this, because this wasn't even like, de-aged Mark Hamill this was like you know you have Mark Hamill perform the scene and then you have a younger actor come in as a body double and do what Mark Hamill just did and then they just put a digital Mark Hamill face over him um at least that's what they did for for the season two thing I'd be really interested to see um and hopefully it's not too long before they release some sort of like Disney gallery or whatever for the book of Boba Fett and I'd love to see the behind the scenes of how they did that for this season and you know if it was any kind of different process but it was, I mean, that was just the first thing that stuck out to me was just watching, you know, Luke's face as he, you know, interacted with Grogu and, and just, you know, spoke his lines and stuff. It was like, man, this is, if you had, you know, especially as a kid, like if you showed me this right after Return of the Jedi and told me that it was the same guy, like I wouldn't have thought twice, you know, this was yeah. almost that good that like, if I didn't know going into it, that it was a, you know, like how they had done it for Mandalorian season two, I would be like, wait, who, who the heck is this? That looks this much like Mark Hamill. Um, so yeah, it was just incredible. Like just seeing all those scenes, um, you know, the, the music was on point, the forest location of whatever planet they were on was absolutely gorgeous. And I don't know if it's been confirmed what planet that's supposed to be, or if it's in like the data banks on starwars.com or anything, but I wish that was Tython in uh mandalorian <laughs> season two because like i that to me is what tython looks like from the old republic and you know it would be a pretty perfect place for for luke to build a jedi temple if he's not going to go with uh yavin four like he did in the eu um but even just to you know see the beginnings of his temple coming together was was just so cool and this was I mean, this is the kind of Luke stuff that I've been wanting to see. Like, again, at the end of Mandalorian season two was an awesome just tease, like getting to see him in action again. But now seeing 
Luke in his prime as a Jedi master, like training a student, you know, passing on what he knows about the force, building a school, like even doing his own training, you know, just seeing him run through the forest with Grogu and doing the flips and stuff and then training with the lightsaber. It was like, this is the stuff that I've been missing. When I said after Last Jedi that I was like, if this is the way Luke's story ends, I'm okay with it, but I want more of that stuff in between. Like, I'm okay with the fact that sequel trilogy Luke isn't like, you know, the the sort of in his prime Jedi Master Luke that we all wanted to see. But I was like, that's that Luke still exists somewhere. I still want to see those stories. And now that's exactly what we're getting with stuff like this episode. Um, and I also, I think I remember saying on the last episode, you know, when they sort of left that tease of like Mando being like, okay, I got to, you know, go see my little friend. And we were like, are we actually going to see Luke in the next episode? And I said, like, the extent to which they use Luke, you know, for this one episode where, where Din goes to visit Grogu, I think is going to give us a, a good indication of how big of a role he might play in this overall story that they're building here. Um, and seeing you know, seeing what they did with the technology and just how, how prominent he was in this episode, it made me think like, okay, I think it's definitely on the table now, like whatever big thing they're building out with Thrawn. And like you guys were talking about, you know, it looks like we may be doing some sort of recreation of heir to the empire and, and reincorporating a lot of that kind of stuff. Like obviously Luke and Han and Leia were like central in that story. Um, so, and I don't know if they'll end up doing the same thing for Han and Leia eventually, but like you definitely could have Luke play a prominent role in, in whatever kind of story that's going to be. So um, I absolutely loved what they did with him in this episode, and I hope we get to see more of it going forward. Um, but yeah, there was just, and you know, we had talked about this too. Like I, I kind of was hoping for it to go back to Boba Fett more too. So, you know, and we had debated like, are we actually going to see Grogu? Are we going to see Luke with him? Are they going to save that for Mando season three? So I was expecting maybe like five or 10 minutes at the beginning of this episode where Din goes to see Grogu and sees Luke and then, you know, comes back. And so for this to be like the whole 20 minutes and get all this training and stuff, it was just so much more than I expected, so much more than I could have hoped for. And I loved every minute of it. Yeah, boy, this episode just kept on delivering the goods <laughs> for Star Wars fans. I mean, this was one... I wasn't planning on staying up to watch it when it premiered at midnight, but there was a tweet from Tracy Canobio who kind of hinted at, you know, be prepared for kind of a special episode being directed by Dave Filoni for this one. So I was like, oh boy, I wasn't planning to, but part of me thinks I should watch this one <laughs> as soon as it airs. So I decided to stay up and watch it. And that was a very good decision on my part, I have to say, because <laughs> I didn't have to worry about trying to avoid spoilers on this one while at work because this was something that you did not want to be spoiled on whatsoever any details about it because there was just so much jam-packed in this episode where you just kept saying to yourself i can't believe we're seeing this oh wait i can't believe i'm seeing this oh man i can't believe i'm seeing this and we there's still more coming and i can't believe we're seeing that but just kept on going for so much amazing stuff and all the stuff with luke on the planet that he was on i mean it was it was just magical to see that's just i think the word i best describes it because like you said we've seen luke in the season two finale in action fighting as a jedi in his prime which was amazing but now we're seeing that other side of what it is to be an amazing jedi which is at this point where luke is at is being now the teacher the master and it just it takes me back to where i can't believe i'm seeing luke skywalker train his first jedi student 
I mean, we're seeing in this like Star Wars history right there. Something we can only have imagined out for so long after Return of the Jedi, when there was only the original trilogy, just thinking about all these different scenarios of Luke starting the Jedi Order again and thinking about his students. Well, now we saw who his first student was, and it was Grogu. And it was just so amazing to see Luke as the teacher for the first time and passing on his knowledge and wisdom to his first student in similar ways that um, just taking on what Yoda taught him and passing that along, just the parallels and how it mirrored both sequences of Luke's training. And he's passing that down to Grogu, which is so beautiful to see. And just so many amazing moments from Luke teaching Grogu to, like you said, Kyle, Luke kind of doing a little bit of his own training while training Grogu at the same time. Just one of my favorite moments is Grogu standing there. And then you see Luke, Trained with a saber, just training in saber combat in different stances. It was just so cool to see and having him run along with Grogu in, I'm assuming, the same backpack that he had Yoda in on Dagobah. It was just amazing. And just the what he was saying to Grogu, too. One of probably my favorite moment of that sequence is when he tells Grogu after he tries training him or showing him for the training for the first time when he's uh, takes it with him where he goes, I want to show you something. And we see that montage with that great music, which now has been a release that you can listen to. I believe the track is called Teacher's Pet. It's just a great music thing that goes along while you're seeing Luke run along with Grogu and they climb up that tree and they're just both staring out into the horizon. And this was something I was talking about with my brother as we were watching it for the first time and just how he said how it just really invokes that feeling of Luke staring out on the twin sons and a new hope where he you just, that's what Luke does when he's at a moment in his life, I think where he, there's something, there's like change coming. And we saw that in a new hope yearning for that sense of adventure for more in life. And now he's kind of sh show Grogu out there, that big vast world. It's all in balance with the force. But at the same time, I kind of felt it's something where we're seeing another big change in Luke's life as he's becoming the a teacher. Now being at a point where, he set off to do once he decided to become a Jedi, as Yoda told him, pass on what you learn. We have seen that now. And this big stage of Luke training his first student and just that moment of them both connecting with the force where you see them close their eyes, you hear the force theme music play. It's just very beautiful. And again, going back to that point of even Yoda tells it to Luke, always looking out into the horizon. It's just a great callback to everything we know about Luke as a character and just seeing all that come through out of him now as a teacher it was just so beautifully done so like you said we were wondering what this episode was going to be like following episode five and insane uh teasing that he wanted to pay a visit to his to his little friend would we see that in book of boba fett or are we saving that for season three and obviously we got in the book of boba fett and you know i kind of had some reservations about a whole episode of boba fett in Boba Fett's series be dedicated to someone else other than him. And I wasn't too keen on that happening again for two episodes. And even though Boba Fett was in this one, he had no dialogue. It was in it for like maybe two minutes at the most. So you could pretty much say he wasn't in two episodes. So, but if you're going to do that, you give us episodes like these because mm -hmm. it's hard to complain about what we got and just how important it is into the overall Star Wars saga for what we saw yeah. in yeah. these two episodes. So, yeah, it was just great. I mean, I was blown away by everything we were seeing with Luke and Grogu. And I haven't even mentioned Ahsoka coming into the picture. I'm sure we'll get to that. But for just focusing oh, on Luke and Grogu, yeah. it was just amazing and so wonderful to get this stuff. This was a, an episode I was not expecting 
like everyone else. And I'll never forget, uh, Tim, you texted me at or us at 1 a.m. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so late. I'm like, first of all, my, I'm, I, my phone's always muted. So you never have to worry about that. Uh, but uh, I saw that and went, I try to hold out till Fridays and I did a pretty good job, but man, there's just so many reveals and I just had ended up moving pizza night to Wednesday. I don't like it. I hate, I hate Wednesdays, man. Put it back on Fridays. So much better. Anyway. Um, yeah, this was, I knew we were going to get something. I was not expecting to get what we got. Uh, it was Luke was incredible. That, that will go down as an all timer surprise. Just as much as a surprise as season, the end of season one, because um, it looked better than season one. Mm-hmm. And I know they hired the original, the deep fake guy out from YouTube, which is really fascinating and cool because it shows that this guy could do it on his own. I mean, I, I know he's, I think yeah. the guy, it was like a professional already. So it's not like if he was just like, some yeah. Random. I'm like, hey, I fixed this on my on my '95 Mac computer, you know, nothing <laughs> like that crazy. But but it is. I mean, it's incredible how fast people can do that stuff. You know, yeah. like I mean, heck, even with um, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll get into this, but you know, people were doing this with Cad Bane too, like making their own fan edits and you yeah. know, do but making them look closer to how he did with the Clone Wars, and it's like they spend months doing these visual effects, and then you put it out, and within like two days, people have stuff on YouTube where they've you know completely recreated that you know, on their yeah. own. But, and yeah. I, I think it was just a really cool thing to see R2. It was great to see yeah. obviously Grogu and the training and all that thing, all that stuff. And, you know, my, my daughter's has been trained to call him Grogu. Does never mm-hmm. call him baby Yoda. will never call him baby Yoda unless she's referencing someone else doing it. Cause she'll only, I'm pretty sure, especially now she'll never call him nothing but Grogu, which is great. Cause, cause this is a canon only house. So, I mean, that's how, that's how it works. No, um, but, um, you know, and my daughter's not, it will turn two in a few months here. And she sat down and watched most of that episode with, with Grogu on it and just laughed. And, you know, and she just was like, Grogu, Grogu. And she loves it. And it was really cool. I mean, I didn't watch the first time with her. You know, I, I can't do that. Just, I have to watch it with my wife and, and be focused. But, it was really special because you got to see, I think, Grogu develop as a character, I think, mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and uh, and into the next, especially following the next episode, because, you know, we see everything. But I think it's fascinating. We get to see a little bit of what he's like and in, in that he does have a desire to be with, you know, Mando. And I think with all that, it was really fascinating to see that, you know, for me, they didn't they didn't waste time. And that was very telling to me which i'll get into in a little bit but uh i thought that was very cool i'm like okay they're not wasting time they're going right into this and that is a very i i just kept thinking guys about how this is really we talked a little bit before um you know this is not for you know the, the prequel trilogy right like the prequel trilogy was not appreciated you know by the older fans but the younger fans all loved it like my my nephew my nephews and, and you know, my, my oldest nephew, he's, you know, he likes Star Wars. Not like we do, but like he likes it a lot. You know, we, we've, we've, I've watched a ton of the movies with him, um, you know, whatever. And, he, you know, he talks about, yeah, I, I didn't understand why people's problem with it. I, I love, I understand, or I understand people, why I don't like it, but I love the, the, you know, Phantom Menace, you know, and that's because it's his age range. He's, you know, it's a few, he's five years, five years younger than you are, Kyle. And so, um, 
because you're 30 and he's like 25. Oh. So yeah, so like he, yeah, and it was, it was interesting because I'm thinking, and it reminded me as I'm watching the book of Boba Fett, especially amidst all the complaints of Boba Fett wasn't in this, or this isn't very good, or this isn't that, or whatever. And as I've watched these last two episodes, specific, especially these last two episodes, um, I've gotten even more of a sense to where I'm, I forget this is, you know, as I watch it with my daughter, the Sagrogu parts, I'm like, you know, like this is still for kids. Like we forget. Oh, yeah. We're analyzing. I mean, we, we we say that, right? But I don't think we really get that until we, we're sitting there with with your with your little one, who's not eighteen years old, you know. But actually, with you know a, a little one laughing at the things you're not, you know. And I I mean, I don't want to bring this up as like a, a whatever. But Kristen Harloff, you know, talked about how you know for years on the Jedi Council, I I, I still watch his stuff for the most part, and I, I don't always agree with everything he says, but. He's a, it was interesting because, you know, he used to be like, I don't, I don't remember this, but that's it. But then he said, just in the last couple of years, like, you know, I, over the last couple of years, watching the prequel trilogy with my daughter, you know, as she got older and, and watched it with her, I, I now look at it a lot differently. And that's what George has been saying since the goddamn beginning, you know? Yeah. And, and, and the reason I bring all this up is because as I'm watching this with Grogu, I'm like, man, I can't believe they're doing this already. And I'm like, no. As my daughter's laughing, I'm like, no, this is why they're doing it. Because they're developing these characters and yes, it's called the book of Boba Fett and, and there is a legitimate criticism there, which I'll get to in a minute about this with Boba Fett not showing up in the last few episodes, but I forget, we forget that this is what it's about. And, 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 and the reason why they're doing, going back to this so far, like automatically and not wasting time is because for kids, if it was, for, if it was for adults, they would have, they'd prolong it. Right. But because it's kids, I think Dave Filoni, and I don't know if he has his own kids or not, I, I, I think John Favreau has, you know, he, he has like two of her kids and, and he's well in tune with that. It really feels like they know what, how, you know, it's meant for kids and how to make it for everybody, but really push it along for what it needs to be for kids. Mm-hmm. And I think he would have prolonged it out any further than what it was. I'm not sure if it would resonate as well with kids, to be mm-hmm. honest. That's just my opinion. And, and I thought about it. I'm like, you know, like with my daughter, you know, she doesn't understand what's going on, but if like my daughter was older, I would, I totally would could see like, we don't want to waste time and waste this valuable, you know, and, and not just for it, it's all marketing and make money, et cetera, et cetera. But I think for them to really latch on more to the characters, they had to go, they had to do this right away. And it, and it makes a lot more sense when I think about it that way, especially going back to, you know, thinking about the last three episodes altogether. And I know, and, and you can't look at as these, these episodes as, just homages and like we're just gonna you know go back to this and screw uh you know boba fett over there's a legitimate reason here and as we see in the last i think to me there's a payoff in the last episode of book of boba fett so I, but either way this episode's amazing and I, I and looking at it from that lens of children and and they can't wait you know because parents as we as adults we can wait we've waited forever right mm. um but kids can't and this is valuable time. And I think it was really interesting that they didn't wait. And I'm glad they didn't wait in retrospect. So this was an amazing thing. We'll get into the details. But yeah, I I was not I was surprised, but now after in retrospect of watching the you know last three episodes a bunch of you know now, I don't I think it was the right move, to be honest. And I think and that's because I think you know, retrospective, I'm glad we got it because it was awesome. But I think from a just from a storytelling 
pers- uh, prospects for children and getting them invested into, into the uh, franchise of Star Wars overall, it was crucial. And I think it was the right move. That yeah. Just, and you, I'm sorry, Kyle. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I, I agree with what you're saying, that it helps keep the kids engaged, especially, you know, young kids that might watch it just for Grogu or whatever. But um I mean, I think even for us older fans too, like it was kind of just a pleasant surprise. Like, yeah, you're right. Like we could wait. Like when, you know, I remember debating this endlessly at the end of Mando season two, we were like, well, you know, Grogu's such a popular character and he's on all the merchandise and stuff. Like they can't just keep him away forever. Like we've got to see him again, but like, is he going to come back into this story? Are we going to see him back with the Mandalorian? Are we going to get a, a completely different story about Luke training Grogu and other students at his Jedi temple? And like, that's what I wanted to see. But I figured that was years off because I figured that would need its own story. And it wasn't one of the series that they had announced. And I was like, I don't know if they're going to have the technology to like have Luke be the main character of his own show. And maybe it would have to be animated and, you know, whatever. And so like, this was obviously something that I was hoping like a story that I was hoping to get and expecting to get at some point, but I was not expecting to get, you know, the, the, ex- to get this story to the extent that we did anywhere near this soon. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know, maybe for the younger audience, they needed that to keep them engaged. And like I said, I'm sure there's a monetary component as well that like Disney wants to be able to keep selling Grogu merchandise. And so they're going to, you know, find ways to work him into the story. But um just, you know, for me as an older fan, it's like, yeah, I, I would have been content waiting a few years for this story. And the fact that we got it so soon just took me by surprise, but it was the best kind of surprise. Yeah. And I think that's a great point you made there, Paul, because I didn't think about that aspect or that side of it at all. You know, I don't have any kids of my own. So, uh, but you make some really good points of why that would be the case for the younger fans. I mean, I've said it before, I believe it might've even been on the Mandalorian season two finale, where if Luke is going to Luke to Grogu and we might not see him for a bit, I kind of want it to be a big gap before we do see Grogu and Mando reunited again, just because I think it'd have more of an emotional impact and maybe a payoff. And it has been a few years and um, we see how Mando is affected by that over the course of season three, maybe longer, but then just what a great moment it'll be if we don't see Grogu for a while but then we see him reunited with Mando again. It would just be that more impactful if there is a longer wait. But I mean, that's just coming from my side of thinking as an older fan, but I think you're totally right. It's for the younger fans, how it is kind of essential to keep that story of Grogu growing, going for them. Because it just reminds me, as you were talking about that, just Ahsoka's journey from the Clone Wars and just how you hear so many young fans who grew up with the Clone Wars just say, how important it was for them to grow up alongside with Ahsoka. And we didn't have any like gaps in the seasons where she wasn't in there. There might've been some if it continued on beyond season five and she wasn't in a few episodes, but that's still a good chunk of time to where young fans grew up about five years with Ahsoka and seeing her development as a character. And of course, with Dave Filoni being behind the helm with here too, and with Grogu's creation, I think it could kind of be the same thing, especially for really younger fans to grow up with Grogu as well and not to have a big gap in there like uh, kind of I was hoping for and just have that continuation and for them to be along their journey with Grogu because now we know he's going to be someone who's going to be a part of not just the Mandalorian, but for all these series that are supposed to be interconnected with each other. I know Grogu's going to probably be an important or play an important part with that. So um, that was just a whole totally different side of thinking about 
of the appearance and why I think it, I agree with you how it was a smart move to kind of speed things along a little bit with Grogu, even though it wasn't something that I necessarily didn't think um, would have been the best for, or at least what I would have done. But at the same time, that's good reasons why I'm not in charge <laughs> or mm-hmm. coming up with stories in these series. It's always fun to speculate on, but complete faith in Dave Filoni, John Favreau, and everyone who's behind these series to make the right decisions because they haven't steered us wrong yet, even though I'm, I might think going into it where um, it wouldn't be how I would have done it, but always leave it to where wait to see how things end up before you fully judge it and just have trust in the creative team behind it. Because like I said, they've done a great job so far and no reason to doubt them now. So yeah, just great points brought up by you there, Paul, that I ne- didn't necessarily think about before until you said it right there. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm wondering too if that, you know, the whole thing with Grogu and Mando and Luke, like, I know some people think like, oh, that's sort of a distraction from Boba's story and they could have just saved that for Mando season three. But part of me feels like that was probably part of the whole inception of this series in the first place that the reason that like, you know, when, when Grogu goes off with Luke at the end of season two. They're like, well, we know we can't keep him away from Mando and keep him out of the story for long. So what if we just have him back with Mando in season three? But in the meantime, we'll tell a Boba Fett story. You know, we'll kind of take time away from Mandalorian for a sec. We'll tell a a side story with Boba Fett, but then we'll like have Mando tie into it. And that way we can see that he's been away from Grogu for some time. And then we can like have them reunite and we'll show Grogu training with Luke and, um, you know, the whole reason for, like, in addition to getting to tell a cool Boba Fett story, I think maybe, you know, part of the reason for wanting to do this now and take this break before Mando season three was so they could kind of, you know, have that time gap and then and then kind of do a, a little side story with Grogu training with Luke and then have him reunite with Mando and then just have them back together for Mando season three. It is still a little bit weird just in terms of the pacing and, and the timing of everything that they chose to do it in Boba's story because, like, I don't know. I'm sure there are some people who maybe are invested enough in the Mandalorian to keep up with that, but just don't care that much about Boba Fett or like aren't big enough Star Wars fans that they're going to watch every single thing that comes out. So maybe haven't watched the book of Boba Fett yet. Maybe just aren't interested in it. Or maybe they're like, oh, I'll get around to it. And it just takes them a while. And they're going to watch Mando season three and be like, wait, why does he have the kid again? He left with Luke. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of weird that like they would put that, like something that crucial to the story in a different series when there are probably at least a handful of people that are only going to be watching that one series. Um, and I, I'm sure when we get to, I'm sure when we get to Mando season three, there'll be, you know, the flashbacks and stuff to explain that. Um, I think, but uh, sorry, I mean, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, no, go ahead. I think there, I, I think uh, there's a, there's a simple explanation for all of that. One, I think that, um, that could have this could have been part of the reason they made the book of Boba Fett is that they would say we will intertwine you know Grogu in there and that way or either that it, it was almost like a either it, they had to include it to to sell it to Disney which is I don't I don't really buy that necessarily but it's possible I think the likelihood is that potentially that the book of Boba Fett was only going to be a certain amount of episodes and maybe Grogu and Mando weren't in season the end or the, in the end of the ending finale, potentially. I think you could easily do it without it, to be honest. Um, in my opinion. No, you uh, probably, yeah, I agree. You could. Yeah. So with that said, I do think that 
maybe after the fact, after John had written it, they said, you need to, you need to include this because, um, and make, cause I think it's potentially, this could have been easily season three episodes ideas that he already had plotted out. Like episode one's this, this is this, this is this. And they said, you know what? Because, because again, the, the whole pandemic going on, they were like, okay, we can film this Boba Fett thing for like super cheap because we're in a desert, <laughs> you know, and we don't have to have loads of people around to make it look good. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like this was a very inexpensive series during a pandemic to make. So I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think that this is going to be, I don't think it was meant to be always have them that much involved, but at the same time, I think it just made sense. I think from a, from a commercial standpoint, I think from a story standpoint, they said, you know, we, we got to keep this kind of going. We have to include Grogu at some point. So what's this Adam here? Yeah. And that very well could be, I mean, if anything, I would think, I don't know, like maybe they only originally intended this show to be like five or six episodes, but you would think if they, if Disney forced them to write Grogu into it, that you would end up with a longer series. Um, and I, I, so, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of get to talking about the finale and thoughts on the series overall. I definitely feel like it could have been longer. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. And, and who knows? We'll, we'll probably never know uh, how much of this was the creator's intent from the beginning, how much of it was Disney's influence telling them like, Hey, you just sent Grogu off with Luke, but like, uh, we're going to need that merchandising money. So get him back in there ASAP. Um but I mean, whatever the the case is, and whatever the motivation behind it, I feel like they really made that story work. Um, I mean, heck, Grogu being back with Luke already, and I know we're kind of jumping ahead to the finale here, where he chooses the armor over the lightsaber. Um, but like, I didn't expect him to be back with Mando nearly this soon, and yet I feel like they sort of they did it justice. I mean, just seeing Mando by himself in Episode Five, we get that sense that time has passed. We see how much he misses Grogu and the, the fact that that absence is affecting him. Um, and then we get to see Grogu with Luke and see him going through his Jedi training. And then in the finale, we see that his force powers have grown. Um, oh, yeah. And so like when, after he reunites with Luke, it feels like there's been some development there, you know, like they've, and it's almost like they've been apart long enough to realize that they need each other. You know, you see how much, how much Din misses Grogu. And then when, when Luke gives Grogu the choice between the lightsaber and the armor, um, he chooses the armor and then, but again, you, you see when he goes back with Din, how much his, his force powers and stuff have improved under Luke. So even though it was, you know, like his, his sort of Jedi training with stint with Luke and then his re, uh, reunion with Mando happened a lot faster than I anticipated. I still feel like it worked and it doesn't feel rushed. Um, and, you know, it just feels like a, a good sort of natural progression for the story. Well, and I think, to, and to, I think we talked about this before the show. We both argued about, I'm not going to tell what we thought, argued about, but we argued about. <laughs> People what, can take a guess and they'll probably be right on. No, but, but we argue about lines of dialogue and how much you can, you know, how much saying instead of showing can you do and get away with, right? We argued that for different, different things. What's interesting about this episode, the fifth episode of, of Book of Boba Fett, is that you got both because you're seeing you see Luke go into his mind and pull things out and see like oh you know do you you can I you want me to help you remember basically you have that again this is this is classic story 101 training you know or you know what you do you set it up visually okay 
He, Luke goes in, unlocks that memory. So we, we already established in our heads, oh, Grogu has suppressed memories. Okay. Well, the Force I, is also suppressed, is training. He's, and then what does he say, tell Ahsoka later? He says, he's more remembering than I'm training him. Mm-hmm. So you've already established that he has had lots of training and that he just needs to remember it. And then what is George or what is George? George always referenced the, uh, the force as being like a muscle. Right. And so it's not something you just be like, Oh, pick up a lightsaber and, you know, and just all of a sudden, you know, wig out, whatever it does. I mean, even though I think they've gone away with that a little bit, there is a little bit of truth to where, he has to relearn a little bit more and kind of exercise exercise those muscles again. Mm-hmm. And so you establish through what they physically show you and the training and all that stuff and also the suppressed memory. But then later on when Luke says that line, well, he's more remembering that I'm training him. So then when it pays off, when all of a sudden his force powers are now elevated, which I also, I'm not sure if we want to talk about this now or not. Um, because you know it kind of ties with Ahsoka, so I don't know if you want, want to segue into Ahsoka, but um, well, yeah, I mean we haven't really talked about her much, but Ahsoka's part of this whole you know this whole Jedi training thing with with Luke and Grogu too. So yeah, go for it. So you know, I thought first of all, seeing Ahsoka and Luke Skywalker together was just Man, uh, it was just magical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. And I, and you know, like, I, and the fact that I was, I was like, man, I can't wait to see the first time that these two characters meet, and then like she's just there. <laughs> like, and, and I gotta say real quick, I love that because we know that um, in addition to all the stuff that uh, influences George that, you know, Dave continues to pull from like, you know, classic Westerns and samurai films and stuff like that. Dave's also a big Tolkien fan and, and Lord of the Rings fan. And I know, especially since Rebels, like he's likened Ahsoka a lot to Gandalf in that she's, you know, kind of just this wandering um you know, nomad who goes around helping people. Um, and even, you know, I mean, she looks very visually similar to like Gandalf the white when she, uh, comes back at the end of, uh, rebels, you know, after you thought she was lost in, um, on Malachor and then Ezra saves her from the world between worlds. And then she shows up in like the white robe with the staff and everything. And it's very sort of reminiscent of like Gandalf's rebirth and going from Gandalf the great and Gandalf the white, um, which as far as we know, hasn't happened yet at this point. I mean, we obviously saved her from the world between worlds. Malachor was back, you know, before the time of the original trilogy. But, um, you know, this I, I'm assuming this is all before she goes to and shows up with uh, and finds Sabine during the Rebels finale. Um, and I just love that she definitely had that Gandalf the Grey type of presence in this episode where she's just like, yeah, Luke's the one training Grogu. Like, he's the one doing Jedi stuff. I still wouldn't have trained him if it was up to me. But, you know, I'm an old friend of the family. I'm just hanging around. I'm here to help out if he That's needs me. Line. And then I'm <laughs> off to the next place. Like, you know, she's just kind of going place to place. She's got her own agenda, but she's also, you know, trying to do good and help people out. But she's not really like, allied with anybody she's just kind of off doing her own thing so i thought that was really cool to see like especially with this being a dave filoni directed episode i was like "Ah, i see what you're doing there dave yeah and so it was magical and i think one of the coolest things about it was it was unexpected and it wasn't like this massive um meeting in fact they've already met yeah yeah there's something special about that there was it's it's not it's not being over dramatized 
And I think there's something kind of cool about that. And I th- and it's very not what normal people would do. Normal writers would do it, the the tendency would be like make a big dramatic moment like oh Ahsoka that one time we met that one time and like <laughs> and then it's like then be like oh, I knew your dad oh my god you're Ahsoka Tano you know that crap you know no it's just very nonchalant they know each other they're aware of each other whatever so I thought that was really a, a interesting take and a really I, I, again I think it establishes a couple things again. I think story-wise, you're establishing the mutual respect they have for each other and the fact that they're not – they're more on the equal playing field, <clears throat> if that makes sense. That's the impression that I got from the way they talk. And, you know, it's just, oh, it's Master Luke's job, you know. And it's just really – the way – again, this episode's not – the dialogue and the things they do in this episode is not just wasteful. I want to make that very clear. And I've yeah. said that for a long time. Even in the episodes when when uh, when she first appeared, and all the dialogue about which she, there is specific things that they, that she talks about that I'm like, oh, no, this is a, I don't know about this. And I thought it was very interesting that during the talk, what does Mando say? Why didn't you train him? She says, "Well, he didn't want me to train him." I'm like, hmm. Wait, no, that's not what she says at all. She said, she said he didn't want, she goes, he goes, why didn't you train him? So he didn't want to go with me. That's what no, she, she no, said. No, 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 Ahsoka was the one who didn't want to train Grogu. Because no. she said, like, I've seen what his attachment does. Luke, oh, I ju- no, I just watched the episode again today. Mando she, asks her, he says, why are you okay with Luke training the kid when you wouldn't? And she says, it's because it was his choice. Not yeah, Grogu's choice, yeah. Luke's choice. No, no, no. Luke's, I, no, no, no. It was, she's saying Luke chose to train Gogu, even though I chose not to. And I'm okay with that because I respect his choices. Dude, that's weird. Because I interpret that as Grogu. Really, Paul? No, oh, no yeah, because, it, because Ahsoka was the one who was warning Mando about the dangers of like his attachment to Grogu and how that would be dangerous. So she was advising against training him as a Jedi. But see, when Luke chose to do it, She's saying, I don't control what he wants. So if he, you know, I, if he wants to train him, I, that's I, I his choice. I, do we know, defi- I don't know if it's defined, bro, because I, I interpret it. She was talking about Grogu because he's talking about why didn't you train him? And she's talking, when she says him, she's talking about Grogu. Because no, Mando oh. specifically says Skywalker. Says, yeah. Why did like, Skywalker I, train him and you do yeah, you would why, why, why are you okay with Skywalker training the kid when you wouldn't? And she says it was because his choice. I mean, you could say she's talking about Grogu, but like, I, 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 think, I, given, I think given the history between her and Mando, and again, the fact that Mando wanted her to train Grogu, and there was no, like he was, at that point, he was like, I need to give Grogu away to a Jedi because it's my mission. Right. It wasn't, he wasn't taking Grogu's choice into consideration, but it was Ahsoka who said, no, I'm choosing not to do that. And she said, you can go to Tython, Grogu can reach out and another Jedi may come and find him. And, and if that happens, great, but I'm not going to do it. But, but I, but again, either way, I think it's very interesting that they bring that up because I don't, if it wasn't going to be brought up again, why bring it up at all? So I think they're because they're setting it up somewhere. And remember, I've always said Grogu and and Soka will they will meet back up again. I've said that from the they they did meet back up. No, 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 no. Like they will train. But hear me out. No, they will. No, No. yes, they will. Yes, I one hundred. Soka's not going to train Grogu. I will. No, hold on. You didn't let me finish. Let me finish. The reason why I think that is because one, again, nothing's wasted. 
They're, this dialogue is not just, she's in it for what, 10 minutes? And they're going to waste dialogue on that? Why? So my point is they're setting things up. This whole episode is setting a lot of things up. And that's my point. Mm. Now, hold on. No, look, because, look, Mando, it's natural that Mando would have that question. If he's like, hey. Why worry? Because if he's like, hey, if you didn't want to train Grogu, then why are you here helping out no, while he's training Grogu? Focus on that. If you, that's my point. If you're, Maybe in, if we don't see it, yeah, he could say it. But why focus on it for the short amount of time? You could have talked about You could have set up a natural conversation they would have. You could have had you could have written a thousand different sentences and, and topics that they could have had naturally, but you you have to be very specific in this medium, right? Especially with the amount of screen time she has. But hold on, the it because I didn't think so. I'm like I thought I, all I gotta say is this. I'm like that's weird. First thing I, I'm like that's weird. Why they have this conversation? I had not and I didn't even go back to like they're gonna train at all. I was like that's a weird conversation to have. That's the first thing I said. I'm like, this is a weird conversation. Even still, when we're talking, I'm like, it's weird they bring this up in this episode right now. I'm like, huh, that's weird. And I thought, what's going to happen now? So then, as it goes on, and they have the whole thing, and they're talking about attachments, keep talking about attachments. I'm like, there's something weird about this, because what is we? What do we all talk about? Like, a lot of people say that the, the, one of the things about the Jedi that's so wrong was the attachments, Right. Like, why are they so anti-attachments? Because love is what brought Luke and Darth Vader back together. And so I thought it was very interesting that this version of Ahsoka, again, this version, because we talked about it, you brought up a great point about how Ahsoka is a different thing at the very end of Rebels. That's, she hasn't got to that point yet. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's interesting. They keep talking about attachments. And what does Luke do? Luke says, hey, Here's a lightsaber, or here's this Mando. What are you going to choose? And he chooses Mandalorian. So now, after watching all this, I'm like, I, I, I'm not saying that he's going to go off and train her for like you know years. I think there's going to be points where, because again, what does Luke say to her? Well, he's mostly remembering more than I'm training him. I think there's going to be points where they're going to meet back up, and she will train, not like sit there like Luke and for months on end. But there's going to be points where in the, some point in Grogu's life, they will spend time together and she will train and further training, uh, further train Grogu and help get to that Jedi point. And again, I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but I think they've definitely set it up because they've established that, that she does, she's not ready for it yet or whatever. And that he's now left Luke and he's not going to be going back to Luke. And we all know that they're going to be all tied together still somehow we didn't know at the end of season two when Grogu was going to come back. Well, now we know he's back for good. So to me, and we all know Ahsoka's going to have some kind of transformation at some point. And again, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be – I'm not ruling anything out at this point. But I'm just saying I do think Grogu will be trained by Ahsoka, not in the sense of where it's going to be sit down for years on end, but there's going to be further training with Grogu and Ahsoka – there's going to be a deeper relationship there. Two Dave Filoni characters created, you know, they're, they're going to be deeply tied together. And I would not be shocked if she helps usher in this, not she herself, but I think her working with Grogu, not intermittently, will help shape a new Jedi Order that we're hearing all these different rumors now about a new saga, which I do think the natural progression in the story of Star Wars future just in general 
is going to be Grogu and Rey Skywalker and Finn. And I think that's the right way to do it is having now merged those, these different um, huge characters together. And now by the time Grogu gets me, could meet up with Ray at this point, he'll be an older character and actually be able to talk and communicate and fight. Cause he'll be like almost a hundred years old at that point. Cause he's, this is like 30 years before the sequel trilogy almost. So that's 20 years later. So that's my point is like, I, I, I now the fact that Luke is like, all right, Grogu, you make your decision. Here you go. You're off. You, you, you're attaching, you're too attached to the, to the, whatever. I think Ahsoka is going to be, you know, have that growth period. And again, Grogu is going to be a part of it. So I, I think it's one hundred. I, I, I am 100% confirmed on this. I am like, I will not, there's no doubt in my mind. I will bet all you. Fools. Okay. Okay, I'll take yeah. your money if you're betting. I kind of agree with some of the points you were making there, but I don't think it's just going to be Ahsoka. See, I could see take the I same agree. thing you were saying, but yeah, it I could be that. still be applied to Luke because even mm-hmm. though Grogu made his choice, <clears> I think he was going to go through a little more growing, it's like some growing periods as a Jedi teacher and master as well, because as you said, he's still kind of clinging on to the old Jedi philosophy of not having attachments. And I think that's got to go. Oops, yeah, and I think it will because eventually he's going to have to take on Ben Solo too. And I think right now the reason that he's doing that or still clinging to that is um, he, this is his first time, as we mentioned, him taking on a student. And he's probably maybe want to do it really by the book <laughs> for the first time as exactly. he's learning more about the Jedi history, as he's gaining this knowledge, getting these Jedi texts and learning about how the Jedi's do, do things. Maybe with Grogu, his very first student, he's going to want to do things pretty close and by the book for this time. But knowing, kind of for both ends of it, knowing what happened to Vader, the having attachments, what led to Vader's downfall, maybe he wants to kind of hold back on that too, play, take a little bit of those old Jedi teachings. So there is not another Vader, but at the same time, there's still a part of him that, hey, he was my father and my love for my father is what brought him back. So there's mm-hmm. got to be a balance. Luke talked about balance in this episode. So maybe he'll kind of come to that conclusion later on when it comes to teaching the new Jedi order about having a balance between attachments. And that's why, and, and that's why I'm saying that I, I don't, that's what, and that's what I'm saying. Like with Ahsoka, like they've totally set up her training Grogu. Like, and you see what you're asking about the point of Ahsoka even be in the, in this episode, I kind of took it as far as more of setting up a relationship with her and Luke moving down the line well, everybody. That's, it's, it's all those that's things true. that's true but i think more more luke than grogu for me personally and uh, like, like you said we didn't see him meet for the first time and i think we will because that's going to be a great moment in itself yeah. but yeah um I think yeah for sure ahsoka is going to have a lot to teach luke as well and i think having that relationship she had with anakin and him and her being that gateway for luke to really know about how his so- father was as a Jedi Knight, I think it's going to help shape him as a Jedi Master as well, and how he goes about doing things and starting his Jedi Order. So, this, like you said, a lot of setup. I just think it's more with those two characters than see, Ahsoka and Grogu. I, and the reason, the reason why I disagree with that is because with Luke, you can only do because it's so expensive. There's no way you can just set it up and have it be like it's just it's too much. It's too much money. So, but look at the, I mean, just seeing the leap between the way they did Luke and yeah, know, last, well, like I last season of Mando to, to now, it's just going to get, e- you know, cheaper and better and, and you like know, Nick, easier to do that process. So, and, and like I said, it's going to be, too, it's, 
you can hit, you can get away with him for like a couple episodes, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. But, well, no, and that's the thing. I don't think Luke's gonna be a main character in any of these series, but I, I wouldn't agree. mind seeing him. You know, keep popping up here and there. But this is the yeah. other thing too, like and. Look, you could be right. Like Grogu and Ahsoka could meet back up at some point. She could teach him a thing or two, but that's not that's not Grogu being trained by Ahsoka. Like she's gonna be off doing her own. She well, she's gonna be off doing her own thing too. Like we know that the Ahsoka series is coming up soon after this. I want to ask you this. Okay, was Luke trained by Obi Wan? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How many days was he with him? I mean, we don't know how long the yeah. journey to Alderaan was. Yeah, it could, yeah. Yeah, it could be that short. Yeah. Yeah. There, there you go. Okay, no, that's what I'm saying, though. I'm not even talking about Grogu staying with Ahsoka and training for a week. I'm talking about her, like, you know, giving him pointers here and there. Yeah. I, I, I think, think that's I, different for that's different from like him being her student or but something it's like that. Thing. That's, what that's my point. It's like there, there's going to be times, there's, there's going to be times where he's going to be trained by her. There's going to be legitimate training where it's going to be, again, I'm going by just the, the medium of film and TV, where when you when you see it on screen, it's you're being trained by him. Like again, Yoda and Luke were what a couple weeks too. My point is, I think that's the thing about it is that we're got, we, we're thinking of training as like, and this is what I again. Even but I'm I not even I'm not ta- I'm not just talking about specific length of time. My point is I don't think we're gonna see Ahsoka and Grogu have the same type of relationship that Luke had with oh, Obi Wan or Yoda because Ahsoka has already established that she doesn't want that. For him. But she, but again, we've already established she's gonna have a transformation. Yeah, and then she's gonna go off with Ahsoka and find Thrawn in the unknown regions of yeah. space. Like with Grogu is not gonna factor Grogu into that anytime soon. Will be, Grogu and her will be a part of, or him will be a part of it as well. That, that's the whole set of all this. Are you serious? You don't think Thrawn is going to be part of the Mandos? Like all that? Oh stuff? no, 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 yeah, yeah, no. Eventually he will. I'm Thrawn. just saying. I'm just saying. I don't think this is. I, I think you're kind of reaching with the saying that this is setting Bro. up stuff between Mando and and Bro. Ahsoka and Grogu when Ahsoka is about to go off and do her don't own waste. completely different thing. That is them going to dovetail back into all this. But it's just like, I, bro, it's going to happen. I, I don't think I don't yeah. think there's going to be anything that bro. deep between Grogu and Ahsoka. If we get an episode, if we get one episode of her training him, I'm right. Dude, you can't, you cannot mm. say, I, I, I just, I said it right here. I'm like, right now we're going to get an, a specific time where it's going to be a crucial moment for Grogu to learn in Ahsoka, I bet. But, you, okay, no. Here's here's my problem though, because that could happen ten years yeah, from now, and then happen. you're saying I'm right. Whereas my argument is that this episode is not setting that up. Yes, sure, anything, anything's possible. Anything is possible in the future, but that's not what their intention is right now. Give me five years. Mm, I don't know about that. Oh, so you're so confident that. about next two years, but next five years, like. Uh, I will. I will say five, this. Five years. The, it's gonna happen. That's not very long. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna say the fact if anyone thinks that by Grogu choosing the man the Mandalorian chain or the Beskar chainmail, that his Jedi like using the force and training days are done. I think that's not accurate. I think I agree with you. Oh, yeah. There's gonna be a nice balance between the two. I think they set that up as well, which I think yeah. we can dive into more exactly. as we get towards the end. Yeah, where yeah, I don't I don't know how much more we'll see him train. 
And I do think, I'm sure at some point we'll see more stories with Grogu sort of becoming more of a Jedi or at least becoming stronger in the Force because, yeah. I mean, he's going to outlive everybody else well, in this yeah. show. Like, yeah. you're right. I, I could absolutely see a story set after the sequel trilogy with him and Rey going off on Jedi adventures together. I think okay. that'd be cool. It, but um, see, that's, see, that's the genius of this character. And that's what I was thinking about today as I, or the other day when I was watching the finale with Grogu. I was thinking to myself, the genius they've set up with this character is that he will pretty much grow. You could age him. He'll last forever. Like he's, he is predominantly the, the through line. Now the new through line for all these new characters going forward, because he can outlive everybody. And that's the cool thing about it is like now he's, it's so perfect where you can set him up to have those adventures with Ray and have him now part of the saga films going forward because he'll be just right about that age and you can have you can keep him evolving the character over time because he's so young and he he lives forever and he's you know it's genius and it's a it's a perfect money making thing for Disney as long as they can do a good job developing the character and I you know right now it remains to be seen that it will but you're right like I and that's why I think you're we're gonna get that within five years because it's just a natural growth of the character but again that's I I think it's a done deal 100 but anyway I, I think it's great. I, Soko on this episode was, was a great, a great, nice touch. I want, I can't wait for her series. I cannot, I think a Rosa yeah. oh, yeah. is perfect as a Soko. I think so too. And that was another thing that I loved about her appearance here was like, I don't know. In addition to getting like those Gandalf vibes, there were also just certain mannerisms and stuff that she had that, and it was like subtle little things. It wasn't even anything that I noticed as like, a, oh, that's a specific callback to this one Clone Wars episode where Ahsoka said or did this one thing, but just the way, like, not only like the cadence of her voice, but just her her body language and the way she moved and everything. Like, I was like, that's Ahsoka. Like, that's not just Rosario Dawson in an Ahsoka costume. Like, I totally yeah. bought into like that is Ahsoka Tano. She's an actress. I um, mean, straight up, like. Rosario yeah. She's a Dawson's a freaking great actress, and they that was. I know it's very controversial. It's a very very controversial thing for people online for certain people, and I'm sorry, but I just I think she's she's phenomenal. She's great. Her she's gonna that series is gonna blow the hell up, in my opinion. I and hope not, so. Yeah, not on like and from from what we've seen of her so far, and then. Um... You know, just, just knowing where she's going to be off to pretty soon. Like, yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see her, you know, leading her own series and see Ezra and Sabine and Thrawn and all these guys come back into it is just going to be nuts. And then to see them come back and have those characters intermingled with Mando and Boba and Luke and Grogu and Bogatan and the armor, like whatever grand finale they have planned for these storylines is going to be just absolutely insane. Yeah. And better be a film. That's all I got to say. I I hope so. And just before we move off from Ahsoka real quick, we mentioned it real quickly before, but again, just seeing her with Luke and just how once we knew she was going to be brought into this time period in Star Wars and just the potential, especially once the Mandalorian season two uh, finale happened where we saw Luke, just the potential of that happening and how they just did a great, it was just amazing. They didn't have to say any dialogue. Just seeing them, those two characters together was just such a trip to behold. But I think they did it just right with sprinkling little dialogues here and there because we all know we want to hear them talk about Anakin Skywalker. I mean, that's going to be amazing. I think we're going to get more of that in the Ahsoka series. But just her line of dialogue where she says, I'm an old friend of the family. And then she tell, as she tells Luke, as uh, she's about to leave 
uh, him and Grogu, how she says, so much like your father. And then that little smirk that Luke gives her, just like how that meant so much to him, probably hearing that from her. I just cannot wait to see like some of well, hopefully we get to see it. Uh, just the story she could tell Luke. And again, just mm-hmm. her being that gateway into Anakin, the true Anakin Skywalker. That she, she probably knew. is the gateway, right? Like, I mean, if he learned what, whatever he learns about his father, besides like just, you know, hearsay or yeah. things, it'll be in the beauty of it is that she knows him intimately as far as like friendship wise. Exactly. And, like that's, and that's huge. Cause he knows the he Cause the thing about Ahsoka, she knows him from that personal, like the good and the bad from the outsider perspective. So she can really tell Luke a real definitive version of, of, of what he was like and how, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's really interesting. It, there, there are some, like you said, Tim. There are some, there's some great conversations we have to see, and I think we will see it in her series too. Same so. here. I mean, this is going to be phenomenal to see, and I think we are going to get it after seeing Ahsoka and Luke together in this episode. I really think we're going to see Ahsoka, Luke, and Force Ghost Anakin in her series, and that's going to be such a monumental. Oh, dude, I, was, I, I literally just had that image in my head right before you said it because I was thinking about Hayden Christensen being cast in the Ahsoka series, and I'm like, well, she's going to see him. But like, yeah, imagine if that was somehow incorporated into her talking to Luke too, and just seeing the three of them together. Oh my gosh, that would be Dude, amazing. I will lose it. Yeah, that's gonna I be. Will, I might cry. I might straight up cry. I mean, for so many reasons. I mean, just seeing Luke interact with Forrest Ghost Anakin, but then you have Ahsoka. Yeah, it's gonna be so many emotions going. Think about on. This. What if what and what if they kind of? I'm gonna go off the rails here for a second. But what if like the the power of Forrest Ghost? For Anakin, like it, almost for him to manifest, like it's not just like you know willy nilly. There has to be like a force because Dagobah is a force nexus, right? Basically, is what they, what is you know Qui Gon says, right? Like it's a you know this place mm-hmm. is deeply conduit, conduit force, right? What if it takes a lot for the force to like manifest itself for Force Ghost, and what if it needs to have like multiple Force people in order to really or or you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like some kind of force entity. So like on Endor, you could argue that it was Luke and Leia together helped conjure up those three, those three ghosts. And that's why they kind of showed up and nodded to Luke and said, peace out. And then headed out. Cause it couldn't stick around for very long, but, you know, and, and with, um, Octu, it's that again, the, the birth of the Jedi, it could be like a, a Dagobah, if you will, like a very strong on the force naturally. And that's why Yoda was able to show up. And what if, you know, when Anakin shows up with, with Ahsoka, maybe it takes Luke and Ahsoka together to bring Anakin out and mm-hmm. talk. Like, there's could be. I mean, yeah, still, I mean, that, that. that's. I think that's definitely possible, but I also think it doesn't even have to be that deep because, like, I, if, I if if Force Ghosts have the ability to just show up to whoever they want to, like, obviously, there's two characters that, that. that he would he, that he would want to see. Why? And that's my point. That I think there has to be some limitation to it because I, I agree with that. Because even in like the EU, I think there was. An explanation where I don't yeah. remember what story it was. No. Obi- <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I said George said no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Probably right. I think there was a story where like Obi once told Luke, like this is the last time I'll be able to communicate with you. Because- yeah. So yeah, I do agree that there probably should be some type of limitations to. How? Well, and I, I think, I mean, they can come up with like a canon reason for it if they need to, but obviously those limitations are just going to be like when they think it's convenient for the story. Of and like course. When, <laughs> when, is, when, this yeah. is a, when it's a good time to include this character versus when it feels like too much or just fan service or whatever. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I can't wait till we get to, to yeah. see that. 
This is like, okay. I want to, I want to say one thing about Luke and then we got to get to the second half of this episode. We haven't even gotten this. Oh oh yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's really just one thing in the second half of the episode that we got to talk about. Well, say but your thing I, about Luke, and then there's one other thing I got to bring up too before we move on. Okay, I thought it was actually really fascinating to see the way that Luke interacted with Grogu and like some of the choices he made. And first of all, it's just a really interesting dynamic with his first student being this child that, like, in some ways, still seems like a toddler, but is also like older than Luke and like yeah. knew Yoda before he did, and like has been in the Jedi Temple, like, and you know had that Jedi training that Luke never had. Um, and so it was weird, like, you know, when Luke is having, like, the training remote shooting at him, and then, you know, you see Grogu doing flips and stuff, and it's like, on the one hand, it's like, this is weird, because this is a child, and then on the other hand, it's like, well, he has been around for 50 years, and, like, he's had Jedi training before, so, like, I guess it's all right. Um, but even, you know, with the, like, I wouldn't say his training was was harsh, but, like, the first time when I saw Luke activate that training remote, and you see it, like, shoot at Grogu, and I'm like, oh, we're using laser blasts with babies now? Like, this is an interesting choice. Um, and just seeing the, the kind of stuff that he put him through, but then even, you know, him giving him that choice at the end. And I've seen some people online be like, oh, yo, Luke is a, a big jerk for, you know, giving Grogu this ultimatum and stuff. And I mean, I, I thought it was interesting and I did think it was a, a good choice because Luke was like, I'm not sure if his heart is in it. And I feel like he wants to be back with the Mandalorian. And so for him to, um, like it, it, he, he gave Grogu the power to make that choice for himself, but I feel like there also could have been a third option where um you know where he could have rather than trying to keep those attachments away from him he could have said like hey let's try to figure out how to work around this let's let you have that relationship with the mandalorian and figure out how we can still train you as a jedi and not have you give into that attachment and you know some of those lessons that he might have learned from vader and the way that he fell um and i think when you guys mentioned earlier too that like you know maybe it's just because his first student but luke is is you know, sort of strictly still sticking to the old Jedi way. Um, and I thought it was an interesting choice because, you know, like knowing his eventual ultimate failure with the Jedi Order and where we see him at in Last Jedi, um, it was cool to see this, you know, this hopeful, optimistic, you know, powerful in his prime Jedi Master Luke that we've all wanted to see. And yet still seeing that, like, he's not perfect. And I wouldn't even say that he's doing things wrong or, you know, certainly not like going towards the dark side or anything like that. But just, you know, I mean, the fact that there are people that are like thinking that he's making some questionable choices or that, um, you know, he's, he's not a perfect teacher, I think kind of lends itself to both sides of that. Like we get to see the heroic Luke, but this also lines up with the, the Luke that we see in the last Jedi as well. Um, and so I thought, I just thought it was interesting to, to sort of allude to both of those things and, and to, um, I don't know, just again, see that like, just because he's sort of the, the Jedi hero of this new generation doesn't mean that he's going to be a perfect Jedi and a perfect teacher all the time. I actually kind of thought was giving Grogu the choice that is him kind of doing things, not necessarily how the Jedi Council, the Jedi Order would have done it because they probably wouldn't even give Grogu a choice to probably make a, a life decision like that. Because as we know, the Jedis take... Uh, children as their infants and really they don't have a choice there they just grow up in the temple so just luke even giving him a choice to decide what he wanted to do yeah but the other thing i wanted to mention before we move on is that i'd be remiss if i didn't mention one of the many geek out 
mind-blowing moments we got in this episode. And you alluded to it, Paul, but when we see the flashback of Grogu in the Jedi Temple as Order 66 is going down and just seeing more of that, I mean, we got little shots here and there in Revenge of the Sith, but that was something I would love to see more of and of the clone troopers assaulting the Jedi Temple. And the fact that we just got clone troopers in live action again was just amazing for me to see because... I didn't know if we'd ever get that. And it was just great to see them in live action. They look great. And maybe they're still using CG uh, to create the clones again. But part of me is thinking, man, I hope they actually built practical costumes so we can, that could be the first time we saw clone troopers in practical costumes and someone got to wear a clone trooper armor in live action Star Wars. But regardless, it looked great. And just seeing that image of clone troopers attacking three Jedi and from Grogu's perspective, it was just awesome to see like that was probably one of the few things i was like not even on my radar to get in the book of boba fett but we got it it was awesome the only thing that could have made it better is if they were playing um anakin's betrayal uh the track on the revenge of the sith soundtrack the music that plays during order 66 because it's such a beautiful piece of music that just adds to the tragedy of that event and it would have been kind of cool to hear a repraise of that as we're seeing it again but just seeing that seeing clone troopers seeing them mow down three jedi and grogu from all from his perspective it was just brilliant brilliantly done it was just so cool yeah absolutely and i kind of can't believe we didn't go more into detail on that yet but there's just been so much other awesome stuff to talk about with this whole sequence um but yeah that was something that just had my jaw hanging open when i saw it for the first time like you know, just, I mean, seeing Luke and Grogu training together was enough and hearing him talk about Yoda. And then he's like, you know, do you, do you remember, uh, you know, have you known anyone like that? Do you remember anyone talked like that? Do you even remember your past? Would you like to remember? And then he just, you know, goes and you start seeing the flashback. And I was like, oh, are we about to see a flashback of Grogu, like in the Jedi temple with Yoda or something? But then no, it's order 66 and we're seeing Jedi Gundam. And I was like, I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. Um, so yeah, that was just absolutely incredible. I mean, everything you said, it was just so cool seeing clone troopers in live action and everything, but I can't wait to see more of this because clearly there's more to this sequence uh, that I think is going to be revealed later on. Um, and I mean, maybe it'll be, you know, Mando sees three, maybe we'll get it sooner than later, just like we got all of this stuff sooner than we expected. Um, but yeah, I think, I think whoever or however Grogu got out of the temple um, is, is going to be, you know, sort of play a big part in his storyline going forward. Um, and I've got all kinds of speculation on that. I don't know. If, I forget if I sent you guys the image, but I don't know if you've seen um, the, the detail that some people pointed out online where as those clone troopers are coming down the hallway, there's a door to their right and there's yeah. a symbol yeah. on the door. And it's the same symbol that's on the door of Barriss Offie's room when Anakin confronts her um in clone war season five and i don't think that that is like confirmation that like oh that's barris's room and she's in there and she's about to pop out and kill all those clones and save grogu um because i would think it's at this point she's probably still in you know in an imperial prison somewhere and maybe already being trained by palpatine and turned into an inquisitor um but you know so so i don't think that that's like our direct answer right there but also knowing especially with this being Dave Filoni's episode that he directed like that absolutely can't be intentional. And so, you know, if, 
if it was uh and, and now i mean that also could just be like a, a decoration in the jedi temple maybe that symbol is has popped up in other places and we just haven't noticed before. no but it's also um, i believe it like matches what's uh, like the tattoos that are on her face as well it matches part of the the tattoos on her face yeah i mean the tattoos go all the way across and in that symbol it's just kind of like a small diamond pattern but that pattern does kind of like repeat across her face mm. um and so, yeah, if it is Barris, I mean, I wonder if that's going to be sort of like an act of redemption for her that she saves this kid. But I yeah. also can't help but wonder if Barris is already acting, uh, you know, if Palpatine is already using her as a tool. And maybe he sends Anakin in the 501st and is like, wipe out the Jedi, but then has an agent that he sends to go infiltrate the temple and is like, get this one you know, this one force sensitive kid out of here, I want to save him for my experiments. Um, you know, and I, I want to save that one for myself. So, and even if it's not Barris, I mean, I, I've, that's kind of a speculation that I've had for a while that like, what if Palpatine, not Palpatine personally, but what, you know, what if he sent someone to get yeah. Grogu out of the temple? Make, but that um, would be or, or it could be a, a Jedi survivor. So and, I'm really interested to see what, what the eventual answer to that is we talked you know about making the sequel trilogy better by building around it like we've said that for a long time whether you like the, all the films or not you know or only select ones um i think the more you build into it and build out of it is the is the best way to go and if grogu is the key to to making the palpatine clones and having him be like he's able to keep his physical form in some form of fashion um through grogu's dna That'd be fat, one hundred percent. Sign me up, because yeah. then you're not you're establishing, you know, you're helping establish, you know, these films that already exist and strengthen them. I think you also strengthen Grogu because they establishing mm -hmm. Grogu is a very powerful person, and you yeah. know, you're just, you're just that's just that seems like a no brainer, you know. I mean, or. Yeah. Or, or better yet, how about this? Like, not just for for the Emperor, but Snoke too, right? Because we have the Snoke thing hint at at the end of Mando season two. So, in the yeah. whole, well, and we know that, but we know that Snoke was just an attempt at cloning Palpatine, right? Right. So, so I mean, um, that's what I'm saying. So, like, having all of that would be fast, would be fascinating. And I think, with oh yeah, so I yeah, I'm with you. I, yeah. I, I want that to happen 100. And I'm all for that too, even if that wasn't. Even if that's not the reason that Grogu survived Order 66 and it doesn't go back that far, I mean, I think that's definitely something we still have to address in like Mando season three. Cause like we know that, uh, like, I'm pretty sure Moff Gideon is still going to be in it. Um, and we've got Thrawn coming back and whatever. And in addition to all the stuff we're going to see on Mandalore, like, if there's going to be more, um, more Imperial, uh, you know, sort of more of the Imperial remnant faction. Um, that they have to contend with, I, you know, I, I think we'll probably see maybe if they're still after Grogu and what their true intentions are for him. And we know like Moff Gideon said he wanted to study his blood and he said something about, uh, you know, it's the key to like bringing order or something like that, which I think is enough of a teaser that like we know yeah. what they're up to, but we definitely could still see more of that. And I want to know like what their exact plans are and just what these guys are up to in general, like aside from trying to get Grogu and, and, and trying to clone Palpatine, like what, like how many of these Imperials are still out there? Like what are their forces like, and what are their sort of designs on the galaxy? So um, that is all stuff that I'm really looking forward to, uh, to seeing in Mando season three and then finding out how that ties into Grogu and all this other stuff. Um, but with that, I think we've talked enough about Luke and Grogu. Let's talk about the other surprise appearance at the end of this episode. Um, well, first Just of all, I, we didn't, we, 
we didn't even talk about the one that kicked off the episode, which was seeing Cobb Vanth. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> messing with, or, you know, stopping the, the Pikes running Spice through Mos Pelgo. And that was a pretty cool way to kick off the episode. Um, especially, you know, coming off the, the end where Mando says, you know, I've got to visit a little friend and it, it cuts. And so as the episode's starting, I'm like, okay, we're going to see Mando. And then I was like, wait, who's this? Um, and you see those boots in the sand on Tatooine. And at first I was like, oh, is this Cad Bane already? And I was like, oh no, it's Cobb Vance. So it was cool to see him again. Um, but then sure enough, uh, you mess with the, you mess with the Pikes, they hire Cad Bane to mess with you. And we do see Cad Bane come in at the end of the episode. Um, and man, that was just incredible. Like, you know, it never gets old seeing these, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels characters come into live action. Like we've got Ahsoka, we've got Bogatan, but just what an entrance for Cad Bane. Um, and, uh, you know, his showdown with Cobb Vanth was awesome. I, I've, I've actually come to really like the look of him too. Like the first time I watched it, it was a little, yeah. I wouldn't say disoriented. Well, like it, it took me some time to get used to, to his face and everything in live action, but it's, it's mostly just the face that I feel like, maybe could have been done a little bit better, but like the hat, the outfit, the mannerisms was all perfect. perfect. I think the only thing that still is a little bit weird to me about the face is just because it's all practical. Like his mouth is a little bit higher. Is than... it all mouth practical too? Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I, th I thought it was CGI. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I just like, it looks practical and I'm sure like, it just makes sense to me that that's why he looks the way he does. Because again, okay. his, his mouth is higher on his face than it is in the, the animated version. And even like live action Duros that we've seen before, like the ones in the Moss Eisley Cantina, like they kind of have those lower mouths, but obviously like those ones don't really talk or anything. Um, so I think this was kind of an adjustment that they had to make just to be able to have him be like a practical effect and have yeah. an actor in a costume. Um, which I think was good for like having him talk and having him be expressive and stuff. And he looked good, but just, I don't know. That's like my one little nitpick is just because the mouth is higher. It gives his overall face just this slightly like kind of scrunched up looking effect. Um, but I mean, aside from that, just like I said, the the hat, the outfit, the mannerisms, the voice. I mean, the fact that they they had a stuntman in a suit play him practically and then had Corey Burton do the voiceover. It just worked so well. Um, and and again, just what a what a menacing presence he was in, you know, in the showdown at the end and then in the finale, too. And I loved that, like, like it didn't feel exactly like Cad Bane from Clone Wars, but I feel like Cad Bane in Clone Wars was like more of like a cool bounty hunter that had his gadgets and his rocket boots and his flamethrower and everything. And like the Cad Bane in Book of Boba Fett, like it still felt like Cad Bane. You could tell it's the same character, but as he's older and uh, I don't know, maybe even more sort of hardened and, and grizzled over the years, he's less concerned with like showing off and being flashy with his his gadgets and stuff. And is more just like he's more of just sort of like this this sinister threatening mm -hmm. presence. Um, so it was just really cool to see. It was really well executed. Uh, really cool. I like it was a cool surprise. I can't say I was completely surprised, only because like course, we've been yeah. speculating this yeah. on like you know this whole series. If if there was one character we all wanted to see show up in a show about bounty hunters and gangsters and stuff, it was Cat Bane. And I was like, if he's going to show up, it's going to be in the Dave Filoni episode. Um, but nonetheless, you know, when when uh, Mando is there with Cobb Vanth in Freetown and then he, you know, Mando leaves and 
Cobb Vanth is, you know, talking with his deputy and stuff. And then you kind of hear the wind and the chimes and he looks and there's a figure coming off in the distance. It was like, Oh, there he is. Here we go. Um, so man, didn't even take a second a, to know who that was. Yeah. It was just, yeah. 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 What a cool moment. Yeah. It was perfect. I mean, like you said, not a huge surprise, but at the same time, no less satisfying to see Cad Bane in live action for the first time. It was just done beautifully. Just really diving deep and just going for that Western motif that just works so well for the character. And even with Cobb Van too, and the showdown that they have, it was just a brilliant way to introduce them and just show, like you said, just what type of villain he's going to be. And what we know for Clone Wars as Clone Wars fans, we know already, but for people watching it for the first time, I know he left an impression on him for those I know who've seen the episode and, aren't familiar with Clone Wars or Cad Bane as a character, they took to took to him right away. Just really felt his presence as a villain in that short sequence that he was in. And but you said it, Kyle. As great as he looked, I think I thought he looked great as well. If anything, the only thing that threw me off a bit was just the light, the lighter tone of blue he had on his face. I was used to it being a little more darker in Clone Wars. So but it's it was just a little thing that like you said got used to pretty quickly. But as great as he looked I thought all that could have been for nothing if they didn't get Corey Burton back because his performance, as we know in Clone Wars, is what makes the character. And if you had someone else doing it, it just would not be the same. And it just made me think about how we just recently got the trailer for the Halo TV series and just how disappointed I am that they're not using Steve Downs, who voices him in the game, who's such an iconic voice in his own right as a character. He's been doing it for over 20 years now. And it's just so jarring to hear someone else do it in the live action series. So when I heard Cad Bane and Corey, Corey Burton back as Cad Bane is like, yes, like I knew it was going to happen. I knew Dave Filoni wouldn't get anyone else to do it. But at the same time, it was just felt great to hear him because it would not be the same character if it had a different voice actor. But Corey Burton's voice is translated from animation to live action seamlessly it just really felt you were watching the same character make that jump from animation to live action just perfectly it was just such a great introduction he looked great the delivery of his lines great dialogue and Corey burton delivered him great so yeah it was just made you excited for what was to come for him in the next episode and just with anticipation to see him have a showdown and just come face to face with boba fett you knew that that was coming and it just really set the stage up beautifully for that in this short sequence we got with him in this episode so yeah cad bane's live action debut just like bo katan and ahsoka was another home run they just couldn't have done a better job with bringing him into live action i've i've gone on record a lot to say that you know this adapting characters from animated to, to comic books to books has been really has been a huge uh boon for lucasfilm and is I think explaining or explaining showing them so much why, you know, again, it's, it's weird to me because I think about Marvel cinematic universe, right? Like why do these characters resonate with people? We don't know that just sometimes you can't explain these things, but when you have these characters like, you know, Captain America and Iron Man for many years withstand their own comic series, even though sales were always great, you know, finally someone puts out a, an accurate, like, you know, so true to somewhat, you know, mostly character Iron Man movie and Cat movie. And then from there, the rest is history. Like the same thing goes for any medium, right? The Lord of the Rings, things like that. As long as the spirit and it's accurate, and it's faithful to an extent, people will show up. And there's a reason why these things resonate for so long. It's because they, they're, they just are special. And the Clone Wars characters are no exception. 
And I think it's really great to see so many different times. Like, I mean, has there been a reveal of one of these characters that hasn't gone over well? That hasn't been a, a big success? It hasn't. Like, it, they've all been really, really successful. Like, every episode they show up in, they're always regarded as the best episodes by far. And I'm, I'm assuming, and, and maybe it's just because we live in a Star Wars bubble, but you got to think, again, when you have hype from so many people talking about how good something is, those people who are kind of the peripheral, they're going to check it out. And they go, oh, like, so everyone loves this one episode I'll, or this one this one series and this one character. I'll check it out. And they go, oh, yeah, that character is cool. And then, all like, my boss at work was telling me, oh, yeah, I haven't watched Clone Wars, but he watched The Mandalorian. He likes Mandalorian, so he watched The Clone Wars. And he's going to go Rebels next because of The Mandalorian. So, I mean, this is my point. Like, these characters and like Cobb Vanth, even though I think is I think Chuck Wendig is a terrible writer. He wrote a character, then they've adapted it, and now it's like people liked it in, in the you know a lot of characters or people like the character from the books. I don't like the books, but a lot of people do. And it's, now look at him. I mean, get a great actor to play him, and look what's happened. So I think Cad Bane is no exception, and he was awesome when he showed up. Like I knew, I have my. I know he's gonna show up at some point. And he's, but I thought it was weird. I'm like, why are they showing up so late? This sucks. Yeah. And, and I will admit, it was a little weird to see him on the see him. And his mouth was not what what it wasn't a complete what I would imagine it to be. I, I keep thinking a new hope, Duros, just, sure. just you know, whatever. But you know what? And I'm I don't I'm just gonna say it right now because we're gonna eventually talk about it in a second. Seeing him in the next episode, it was a little weird at first the first time, but by the time he showed up again the second time, like and seeing him move around a little bit more, I went, Oh, I'm good. And now, as I'm rewatching, as we walk, we talk about this episode, I'm watching the, the phenomenal finale, and I'm just like, I'm good. Like, he looks amazing. Like, I think he looks great, and I, and I don't have any problems with him. In fact, I would say he looks perfect. I would not change anything. I don't want, I don't think, I would not even go back because. Like every, and I saw someone make a point on this on Twitter, and it, this makes great sense. Humans don't all look alike. They don't all have the same shaped face and you know bodies and things like that. So girls aren't all going to have the same like you know proportionate thing. Uh, like yeah, it makes sense. So you know what? I'm in. He looks perfect. No, no problems with me. I think I think he's a phenomenal looking character. He's like you said. You said it best. Him. The mannerisms, everything there are perfect. You couldn't done it. You could have done it any better. So yeah, well, grand slam home run. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, Paul. I mean, the the essence of the character is the most important thing to get right, and I think that was the the thing that they definitely nailed. Um, and you said it too, Tim. Like the you couldn't do that without Corey Burton, and I wasn't even. Like just because I wasn't a hundred percent sure that Cad Bane would show up in this show, like it wasn't. It's not like I was thinking in my head, like, oh, Cad Bane's going to show up and it better be Corey Burton. But just like when he opened his mouth to talk and you heard the, you know, heard his first line come out, it was like, okay, that's him. Like, that's yeah. what sold me on it, you know? Yeah, um, it just felt right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm I'm so glad that they that they went with that. Um, and especially because, yeah, like you don't need, uh, a, you don't need somebody whose face looks like Cad Bane because you're not going to find that. And so it's not like Ahsoka where, you know, they, they, cast somebody that's a, a little bit better of a physical match than just having Ashley Eckstein so she can do the voice. Um, but it's like, you could do that, you know, just have Corey Burton do the same Cad Bane voice he always does and, and match that up. And it just worked perfectly. Um, 
so yeah, that was you know a, a great way to. Uh, I guess that didn't quite cap off the episode because then you have the the Pikes go in and bomb Garza's sanctuary, um, and then you had um, the uh, well the final scene that we already talked about with Luke and Grogu where he gives him the choice. Um, so yeah, that was a, a phenomenal episode six. We also had you know just a, a quick short scene in there with um fennec and boba and mando and they're kind of going over their plan and that's before mando goes to recruit uh the the people in mos belgo um freetown now we're calling yeah free now now it's freetown <laughs> um but overall just a, another phenomenal episode and it's funny because i know episode five like i also loved episode five and i know that one was kind of jarring for some people just the fact that it was such a, a detour and that boba fett wasn't in it and um you know, after episode five, I was like, yeah, okay, I want to see more of Boba's story. But, like, that was a really good episode, and I love the Mandalorian stuff. And then with this one, it was just like, okay, obviously we have one episode left, and Boba better be in it. But, like, I don't even care at this point. Like, you know, seeing Luke and Grogu and all this stuff, it didn't even bother me that it was like, oh, this is supposed to be a Boba episode, and it's not about Boba. I was like, this is just some dang good Star Wars right here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if anything, that's what that kind of would it kind of reinforce for me about this whole series. Um, first of all, the, like I almost feel like the title, the book of Boba Fett, and the fact that so much of this stuff focused on the Mandalorian, and then even like the final shot of the finale is Mando and Grogu taking off again. Um, I almost feel like that title kind of implies that this is Boba's like chapter in the Mandalorian story almost. Um, and so, like, I'm I'm fine with the whole thing not being about him. Like, I still love the Boba Fett stuff that we got. But I was just, you know, it's like, regardless of who's in it and, and what title you put on it, good Star Wars is good Star Wars. And episode yep. six was definitely some good Star Wars. I have to say that I, I respect and understand and sympathize with people saying, why wasn't Boba Fett in these last two episodes? I will agree. I think there could have been a better job of putting, making... I think you could have intercut a little more from the previous episodes, maybe, or it, somehow you could have done that, rearrange it a little bit. It's cleaner to do it the way they did if they're going to do it at all. But I do sympathize and, and respect, and I think it's a fair, and not even a fair, I think it's a legit criticism of the show. It's one of my biggest criticisms of the show, honestly, is probably Boba Fett took too much of a backseat. They could have done mm -hmm. it a little bit better. Again, mm -hmm. it, it, that's, I think that's a fair, fair thing to say about because I, especially with this last episode. So, but then finally, we did get back to Boba and the action packed finale we were hoping for in episode seven in the name of honor. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny. I actually uh, watched this episode again just before uh, we recorded. And I'm interested to hear you guys' thoughts on it. I know there's been kind of some different opinions on this one. Um, and my opinions on it already have have changed quite a bit from the first time I watched it to now having watched it like three times. Um, and I think initially I was I was a bit disappointed, not not really disappointed, but like I, I definitely was initially hoping for kind of more story and character development out of this finale. But I think it mainly stemmed from the fact that like after four episodes of the book of Boba Fett, like then, you know, that fourth episode kind of leaves off with like, okay, we're going to hire Mando, but like we're preparing for war and, you know, we're gearing up for this big showdown with the Pikes. But I was like, there's three episodes left. So there's still got, you know, that's a lot of story there. And I was expecting kind of some twists and turns. And I thought there might be a more nefarious bad guy behind the whole thing other than just the Pikes or maybe some other factions that were going to kind of come into play here. Um, 
and maybe even you know further exploring Bulba's kind of character motivations and and his goals for Mos Espa and stuff like that. And so we didn't really get a whole lot of that. And what we got was just an hour straight of Boba and Mando blasting pikes and you know <laughs> mods and Kersantan and rampaging rancors and uh, Grogu then putting said rancors to sleep. Um, and uh, I don't know. It, it, it's funny because initially, like I remember the first time watching it, thinking like. Eh, this is a little goofy and especially like the way some of the action was staged like in my opinion it's not the best action we've ever seen in star wars um especially in these shows like it was i don't know bryce dallas howard has done better um but i feel like every subsequent time i watch it i'm just like man this is just fun like you know seeing you know that cool moment of like you know boba and mando back to back taking everybody out um, getting to see Boba ride a Rancor, which like we knew that was coming, but it certainly didn't disappoint. I I thought Boba would maybe um, kind of be like on the front lines of a charge, just riding on this you know kind of big slow mm. lumbering beast, like we've seen Rancors <laughs> cool before. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think they were going to go full on you know kaiju movie or you know like King Kong with him jumping off of buildings and stuff. Um, and of course, we get those big Scorponek droids. We get Mando with the dark saber. We get uh, the people of Freetown coming to save the day. Um, and then, of course, in the middle of it, we get the climactic showdown with Boba and Cad Bane, um, which uh, that definitely for me was one of the highlights of the episode. Oh, yeah. And uh, especially after, like, like we just talked about, like Cad Bane had a cool introduction in in the last episode, but I also wasn't completely sold at first or I, I was kind of like, eh, let's, let's see, you know, just as far as like the, the face and the, sort of the translation into live action. I was like, I want to see more to see if this really works for me. And in this last episode, it definitely worked for me. Um, even just his, his interaction at first with the pikes and, uh, you know, again, just the more he talked and you hear that voice. And I feel like they did, he did get to be a little bit more expressive with his face. And so it seemed, um, I don't want to say animated in the sense that he looked like the Clone Wars version, but, you know, just when he was being kind of expressive and animated, he came off very sinister. And, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed his performance in the episode. Um, so, yeah, that's just kind of my my overall thoughts on it. Um, and I mean, when we wrap up, we'll talk kind of overall thoughts on the series and stuff, too. But I, I do kind of wish they had maybe had some more time, like had another two or three episodes after sort of the Mandalorian interlude. Um, to kind of do more stuff with Boba. Um, but for, you know, just looking back at, at the story that they told and, and how this finale wrapped up everything. And especially after, you know, the first few episodes where a lot of people were complaining like, oh, this show doesn't have enough action in it. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, Boba's gone soft or whatever. It was like, you know, they you could tell they were taking their time building things up and you got the flashbacks and everything. But it was like, you know this is all going to lead towards something and it's going to finish off with a bang and we're going to get Boba in the armor shooting the rockets and the flamethrower and the knee rockets and blasting pikes left and right. And that's exactly what we got in this last episode. And it sure was a lot of fun. So uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about it? And we can get into you know specific moments that we want to talk about and stuff like that. Yeah, I I love the finale. When I saw it for the first time, I was definitely satisfied with how it and it is first season, hopefully first season. But at the same time, I did have some of the little bit of complaints that you did as far as there could have been more with the story if we did have more episodes. Or again, it's such I'm so torn on this because as we just talked about, absolutely loved what we got in those two episodes with Mando, especially the last one with Luke. But at the same time, it did come at the cost of Boba Fett. But having said that, 
I think overall, I was kind of preparing myself maybe for to be disappointed more in that respect, but I wasn't. I felt there was maybe certain areas that could have done more if he was more prominent in those episodes or there was more episodes in the season. But overall, I felt satisfied with how it wrapped up everything they built towards his character over the course of the first season. But when you talk about the action, man, that's <laughs> that's where it definitely left me satisfied because I said how the first and last episode of the series had pretty much exactly what I was hoping for when they announced Boba Fett was going to have his own series because the first one dealt with him coming out of the Sarlacc. We got the answers to that and actually see it on screen. It was amazing. And then this one, getting that cool, amazing Boba Fett action that we know we knew we were going to get in the series as it was teasing the Mandalorian episode. And uh, this one picked up right where that one left off. I know Robert Rodriguez has gotten a lot of criticism for his uh, direction in the action sequence in the series. And I think rightfully so, especially in that third one. But to me, he came full force on this one. And uh, I really enjoy it, especially that Mandalorian. Oh. I see how it is. Robert Robert Rodriguez gets criticism now, but when I do it back last season, no one no one gives me credit. No one gives well, me credit, sir. Uh, it was on another level of that third episode. I mean, let's not. <laughs> I let's know. Be honest I know. There. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But yeah, the the stuff with Boba and uh, Din Djarin, that was incredible. I mean, right in the I remember thinking back this in the season two premiere of The Mandalorian, where we saw Cobb Van fight alongside with Mando. And I just said, I probably said it on the episode where we reviewed it, made it look so cool visually seeing those two Mandalorian armor go into battle. The only thing holding it back is knowing that it's not Boba Fett <laughs> in his armor. And then once Boba Fett did show up later in the season, I got excited when he said, oh, who's going to stick around with Mando to try to help him rescue Grogu? And they didn't really have any action together. And, but Man, it made up for it in this finale. The visuals and the choreography where they were attacking, it was just a sight to behold, that's for sure. And then, as you mentioned, Kyle, the, everything culminated into the highlight of the episode, which was the showdown between Boba and Cad Bane, and I absolutely loved it. And I'm sure we'll dive into that moment specifically in more detail, but it was just a great cap-off to what I felt was a very fun and exciting finale to the series. So, yeah, I loved it uh, when it first uh, aired. I pretty much saw it every day. <laughs> I stayed up till midnight to watch that one too. And I watched it every night up until the weekend and then till we're recording now. So I've seen it quite a few times. I just love it more and more every time I watch it. This episode was by far Robert Rodriguez's best episode. There's there's no ways around it. I think it's better than the, than the season. The, the guy, You guys all love the last Mandalorian season episode where he directed where you know he, he does a fan wait wait, wait. i was with you on that one at first were you okay. yeah not as much yeah as you can go back and listen to that i because i i loved the action in it but like the just the sort of the cinematography and just that you know the bright outdoor southern california looking landscape i was like eh, i'm i'm having a hard time getting into this and obviously i've that that has bothered me less and less over time and you know now i'm fine i with agree it. And, and for me too to be fair for me too i but it definitely some of the action stuff was a little jarring and it, i've gotten used to it more now but it's funny because all the things that i had issues with as far as like the way he did things and framed things and and i'm not like a cinema cinema person you know completely but i mean a little bit but enough to where i'm like this is weird and everyone has been complaining about those things that i talked about <laughs> in the the season all that being said i don't think I, i've gotten used to it and i've liked i like a lot more of what he's done but 
I think this episode was actually really well done. I thought he, I'll be honest, guys, I'm going to say it right now. I didn't mind the mods. This episode, I, I'm like, I'm in, I'm in on the mods. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't have the same hatred uh, everyone else does for him, to be honest. I well, really... do you want to know who I think's more annoying takes me out of it than the mods? And I don't mind the mods either, but that tweet like Major Domo, I just can't stand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's even him. It's too, funny because he's he kind of goes back and forth. Like he's annoying, but sometimes in like like almost in an endearing way. Like. I don't know. I, I go back and forth on it. Like there's times when he definitely annoys me. And then there are a few genuine moments where like, I actually find him funny. And then there's moments where like, he's being annoying, but like, you know, he's, he's, it's almost like he's intentionally being annoying to the other characters, like for comedic effect. And so it's like, yeah, am I like, am I annoyed by him or is it funny that he's annoying other people? Like I, I can't, I haven't quite made up my mind on him yet. My my mileage varies, and you know, there's times when I watch it and I I kind of enjoy it, and there's other times when I watch it and I'm like, eh, I'm kind of over it. There definitely were moments in this episode though, uh, with him that that I was just kind of like rolling my eyes. Um, and you know, yeah. let's do this. I mean, because there's so much awesome stuff to talk about, and I don't know, maybe you guys love the episode more than I did, but I also, like I said, I'm in a place now where like I firmly enjoy it, and there's a lot of cool stuff I want to talk about. So let's just get the negatives out of the way first. That's fair. Um, because I've got some little, you know, wait things minute. I can gripe Hold about. On. I, wait, Tim wanted to give his little, uh, little general thing of the video episode. What about me? Oh, sorry, yeah, I sorry, know no, I put I... it in. <laughs> yeah, wow. I thought you were just going. Cal's like, all right, moving on. Paul's talking. Dr. <laughs> Santon, don't need to worry about him or anything. <laughs> you know, uh, anyway, uh, behind the scenes. Um, no, uh, but the thing is, I, I, I thought this episode was really well done. I love this episode. This might be one of my favorite Star Wars uh, maybe anything's um, top twenty, which is saying a lot. Uh, maybe I don't know. I, I, I kind of. It's weird because it's kind of. It reminds me a little bit of the opposite of episode two um, of the season, where it's like it's a lot more substance than style, and this was all style, no substance. Mm -hmm. And but I. But what's interesting is that that's not a bad thing. It just shows you that Robert Rodriguez, I think, is more nuance for this kind of thing rather than building on the story if that makes any sense he is mostly all style that's kind of his direction uh directing yeah. us, you know kind of kind of thing and i think this really fit him a lot better than even the last season of mandalorian where he directed that episode i don't know a lot of people actually liked it but it feels like when it's something a lot more just kind of having fun and going crazy with it out, out the gate it makes a lot more sense so I yeah, I thought this episode was phenomenal. Kind of like what uh was Tim was saying, seeing the Mandalorians together like was pretty rad. Like together in action, oh, yeah. like not just <laughs> not Cobb Band. Like Cobb Band that's great. The, the, that episode one of or season one, season two, episode one of Mandalorian is phenomenal. And it may be again another all timer to be honest. But seeing those two who are full-on Mandalorian warriors going at it, like, or who are fighting side-by-side, side, you know, was pretty special, to be yeah. honest. It was pretty it was. special. Um, anyway, yeah, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say, I mean, Tim, you're right that, like, even watching uh, Mando with Cobb Vanth back in season two, 
like there's that shot when they're fighting the crate dragon and it starts taking everybody out with the acid and stuff. And the two of them are kind of just sitting back watching and they're like, okay, we got to get into action. Like it's time for us to do something. And they take off on the jetpacks together at the same time. And then you, it kind of cuts like a shot up in the air. It's almost like something John Favreau would have done with Iron Man. Um, it was kind of reminiscent of the the way he shot that because he directed that episode, but where you just kind of, the, the camera kind of like zooms in on the two of them as they're flying in the air towards the crate Dragon on their jetpacks. And again, just thinking like, man, we're seeing Mando fighting side by side with this guy in Boba Fett armor. And then the moment in this episode where they the two of them came flying around the side of the building so cool. and, and ambushed all the pikes down in the square, like that was just so cool, finally getting to see, you know, a, a full-blown action scene with the two of them. Um but yeah, like I said, let's just let's just get the minor gripes and nitpicks out of the way. Um and then, you know, we'll just get into talking about all the good stuff. Um cuz yeah, you mentioned the major domo. He definitely had some annoying moments in this episode. Also, like as much as I've I've come around and like her character a lot more than I used to, Pelimoto also was getting on my nerves a little bit this episode. Um you know, just with all her like screaming in the middle of the battle, where like Mando's like, "Hey, turn around!" and she's like, "What?" and then she sees the <laughs> droid and she's like, "Ah, turn around!" and she's like just screaming at the top of her lungs the whole time. Um, but uh, yeah, so so the two of them I could have done with a little bit less of. Um, and then also, like I said, I mean, there was some some really cool, well choreographed action, and then there was other times when it just felt like a lot of mindless like shooting that just wasn't all that exciting. Especially once the droids showed up and they start shooting at it and realize that it's got shields that they can't penetrate. And I timed it the last time I watched the episode. The droids show up like halfway through the episode. So that means a good chunk of the second half of the episode is people running through the streets of Mos Espa, still shooting at the droids when they know it doesn't do anything. Um, and there's even that moment when, um, like the, uh, the mods and the people of Freetown are like hunkered down in that bunker. And she's like, oh, we can't retreat any further or else we're going to get cornered. And he's like, oh, so we just die here. And she's like, no, we fight. And it's like, yeah, th that's what you guys are already doing. And then they start shooting at the shielded droid some more. And, you know, it was just like. I don't know. Some of that wore out a little bit. And I definitely feel like the episode maybe could have been a little bit shorter or that's why I was hoping for like a little bit more story and not quite just wall to wall action the whole time. Or like you said, Paul, it was definitely style over substance. Um, but again, you know, it's um, I've warmed up to it the more I've watched it. It was fun style. Also, speaking of the mods and like I said, I've. I've always kind of enjoyed those characters or at least never really had a problem with them when they first showed up. I just thought that speeder bike chase in the third episode was kind of goofy. Yeah. But there's the one moment in this episode that, bike? huh? It's speeder bike, bike? <laughs> Vespa's, whatever you want to call it. No, no, no. I, um, I was going to say, when you say speeder bike, I think of speed. I definitely don't think of speeder <laughs> bike when I, when I think about okay. that, so, that whole thing. Slower bikes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, but there, there's the the one moment with the um, the guy Scad that's got like the trench coat and like the cybernetic eye that everybody's been complaining about online in this episode where he like does the spin move and then like shoots at the um, <laughs> the pipe or whatever, which is so dumb. Like I don't get why everybody's making a big deal out of this. I know. Where, well, first of all, it's uh, I guess, and I didn't realize this, but I saw somebody make the comparison that it's like an homage to a different uh like an older like a uh, mexican like western type movie that robert Rod rodriguez did where like the main character does the same kind of thing he's in the middle of a gunfight he just does, like that kind of spin move maybe it's that one i don't know um antonio banderas 
Oh, was that Antonio Banderas? It didn't look oh, like boy. him in the GIF, but I don't know. Well, I, 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 um, I don't know if it is specifically, but I, I, that's the the Mexican trilogy. I think is what they call it. It's um, Desperado once, or yeah, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I forget mm-hmm. what I'm saying. But um, yeah, so that was that was an homage to something Robert Rodriguez has done before. It wasn't just thrown in there for no reason. But also, and this maybe wasn't like, shot the best. But there is a purpose to him doing that move because you can see like the pikes come running around the corner and start shooting at him. And he kind of pulls away from Kersantin. He does the spin and then he goes to shoot at the pike. But you see a blaster shot hit the wall behind him. So he was spinning to avoid the blaster shot coming at him. But like they could have framed it better because like it, it kind of there's like a shot of him front on from the front where he's coming away from Kersant and then it cuts to like a side angle shot of him doing the spin and then it cuts back to the front and you see the blaster hitting the wall behind him but you don't see the blast you don't see the blaster shot like going behind him as he's spinning and I think that would have made more sense and not made people be like oh why is he doing a dumb flashy spin move in the middle of a battle but like I don't know. Star Wars Twitter will get hung up on the weirdest things I was like I had my fair share of issues with the episode, but like that's what you guys are getting hung up on, really. <laughs> and to um, be honest, I didn't even notice it the first time I watched it. When I saw everyone complain about it, and I saw the gif of it, I was like, when did this happen? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I definitely noticed it on the second time now. But again, such it's, a non-issue. But <laughs> yeah, it's not that big a deal. And Din doesn't um, even does a spin move in this uh fight with he's fighting alongside Boba. Maybe not as stylized, yeah, yeah. Turn, but he does a spin move. Yeah, I think it's it, his is a little more quick. It's like a blink and you miss it kind of thing, whereas the thing with SCAD kind of feels more like they took the time to focus on it. And it's like, what was the point of that? And it's like, well, pay attention. You see that he was dodging a blaster bolt. Um, But yeah, so so that I didn't have have an issue with. But um, yeah, like I said, I mean, there were some I think mainly for me, it was just like some of those slightly annoying, you know, comedic moments. um, Some of the action that was a bit, you know, kind of bland in in certain places there were other places where it was awesome um and just the fact that it wasn't a whole lot of you know character and story development and was just pew 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 the whole time um it's funny at one point when i was watching it maybe in one of my earlier watchings i i felt like and depending on your taste in movies this could be a compliment or an insult but i felt like i was watching almost like a star wars like michael bay movie where by this, especially by the time you get to the end and the Rancor is just smashing the buildings and like you feel you've been, just been watching so much you know, shooting and explosions and gunfire and monsters and stuff like it just it can get a little exhausting by the end of it, despite the fact that it's so cool. It's like it's nice to have some story and stuff to break that up. Um, but despite that, how still... did you actually like this episode? I did. I did. I'm honestly like these. Some of these are also like criticisms that I had the first time watching it that now don't bother me as much. Um, okay. And yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll get into the, the you know, the really cool stuff that I did like about it. But yes, overall, I definitely have uh, positive opinions on this episode. I don't know that I would say it's my favorite of anything in Star Wars Robert Rodriguez has directed. I might still say I like the tragedy better than this one, just in terms of sort of like the structure and pacing of the overall episode. But it's definitely the best of his three episodes of this show. Um, yeah. Which is, I mean, not necessarily saying a ton because there's still probably... And his other two episodes are probably at the bottom for me. At least episode yeah. three is at the bottom. Then maybe episode one. And then... I, I think I, I think it's a bum rap. I I will say I think episode one 
when I, I rewatched yeah. it, well, and, and episode one wasn't bad. It was just to me, it was just kind of like a slow start. It was like, okay, I'm interested, but like, I need to see more. It's like, let's kind of get the ball rolling. But um, episode one had to crawl, so episode two could ro- could run, man. I mean, that's honestly, very true. That's true because because he set up all that stuff for episode. I mean, I, I rewatched episode one. I liked it. I've liked it more and more as I rewatched it. But episode two is just so good. I mean, it's yeah. just so good. Um, yeah. I, I I look at that episode and I just I, I want people to know like that is legit great Star Wars stuff, man. Like yeah. you can't. I, I mean, think- I I would argue. I mean, I don't know what I would say my favorite episode of the season is as far as all seven of these episodes that we got. But like episode two is my favorite episode of the Book of Boba Fett, and then episodes yeah. five and six are great episodes of the Mandalorian. Um, <laughs> But uh yeah, I, I see your point. I, I here's here's my quick n- n- uh, criticisms are um I think that they like you probably said that you probably could have made it a little bit tighter. They're probably they probably could have had cut out a few things here or there where it could make have it make more sense a little bit, to be honest. Maybe had more Cad Bane. Uh, I think that yeah. probably I I would say it was a, a it, you know it's funny, it's I almost feel like Cad Bane's getting Boba Fett like um uh, treatment because he wasn't in it that much, but everyone wants more of him, right? Like, yeah. Like well, know him and people who do know him. And I think we got enough Cad Bane in this episode. I wish we had gotten more Cad Bane in the show. And yeah, I, and I we, we, we and we can talk about this more later, either just when we talk about that specific standoff or when we're just talking about general impressions of the whole season. But like, I wish they had introduced him earlier so that we could have had more of him throughout the show. General impressions of the season will be a separate episode, correct? No, we can, I mean, we could if we want to, but I also, the, after we wrap up talking about the finale, we can just kind of give some brief thoughts on the season. I, I think we should go, I think we should do a re, a, I don't know, Tim, I don't know about you, but that's just me. I I have a lot to say, I think, overall, like, as, as a series. This episode's a lot. There's a, Even though there's not a lot of substance, there's a lot that goes on to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just, I mean, I'm going to wrap up with some of that. We can also maybe do a, a separate episode on it. All right. All right. But it, this, but really quickly, I just, I just think that there could have been more Cad Bane in general, but, but especially in this episode, um, to give more, I, I think, um, stake, I think at stake, for, I think for Boba Fett, uh, a little bit, but he was, you know, phenomenal. So I would say that, um, yeah, I just think some of the action scenes maybe it just could, could have been a little bit toned down. Like it's just like you said, mindless blasting each other was just kind of the the droid specifically probably was the biggest criticism. But like, I'm splitting hairs at that point in my opinion. But I do I could see and agree with that point though, Kyle. Yeah, well, I said my main criticism being the major domo and him just being as annoying as ever to me in this I like episode. The I like the, I like him and Pelly. And also too, I mentioned this to you how there's I felt like you said could have been more done with. Uh, Boba Fett, I guess, not necessarily motivation, but just things. Uh, I'm, just, I'll just say it. <laughs> I really thought the Sand People were going to play more of a role in the finale, because I said it before that I don't think their story is done with Boba and some of those members of this Tuscan tribe, because we didn't see a body of the Tuscan warrior. I really think she's still alive out there, and I actually thought she was going to show up somehow for this, and yeah. just maybe have a little more connection to that in the finale. We got some dialogue with him and Cad Bane, but thought there could have been some more impactful stuff with that and his time with the Tuscan, maybe if that was brought up again. But if it gets a second season, I, I definitely think we're going to see more to that story with the Tuscans. But 
the only I have trouble even calling this a criticism. It's just something I'm trying to get used to. And this is something going back to what we're talking about with Din being reunited with Grogu a lot earlier than expected. And if you're to tell me that at the end of season two, where Luke takes Grogu, that the way Din and Grogu are going to be reunited is Din on the back of a Star Wars like rickshaw being driven by <laughs> Paleomoto and a droid and Go Grogu's covered in a blanket and he gets revealed and that's how they get reunited again in that instances. I would have thought, really? That's the way they're going? But at the same time, I it's not like I don't like it either. It's just kind of unexpected where that's not how I thought their reunion was going to be this soon and yet in that way too. So again, not, I don't know if it's necessarily criticism, but it's something that stood out to me where it's like, huh, I'm not not sure if that was the way I thought they were going to be reunited. If it was the best way, but other than that, like I said, I absolutely love the episode. So my complaints and nitpicks are pretty few and far between. So that would probably be it for me. Yeah, and also, well, and this is also like splitting hairs, but you know, like the the part when um, Boba, you know, gets off the Rancor at the end to fight Cad Bane, and the Rancor kind of goes terrorizing the city, and then Boba has a showdown with Cad Bane. And then you see, like, Mando tries to get up and ride the Rancor, but he can't control it. And I was like, where the heck is Boba? Like, he just killed Cad Bane. Like, come get your Rancor, dude. Like, Did he kill and... Cad Bane? I think so, but we'll get to that. Oh, we'll get um, to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I like I mean it was it was a cool moment having Grogu, but I also was like, yeah, you could have saved that for Mando season 3 and just had Boba come back and tame his rancor and see kind of like the the, the bond that's developed between the two of them and not just him riding into battle and causing all this carnage. Um But yeah, and I might have other like little things that as we talk about the episode I'm like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that kind of bugged me too." But there was also a lot of awesome stuff. Um so let's, even though it's kind of towards the end, let's talk about, I think, at least maybe for us all being Clone Wars fans, probably, you know, one of the biggest things was Cad Bane, um, you know, his, we talked about his introduction in the last episode, but like him showing up at the beginning here, his dialogue with the Pikes, um, which I was wrong, by the way, he did not kill uh, the Tuscans. It was just the Pikes, which I guess that was another thing that was like, not necessarily a criticism with the episode, but like. I don't find the Pikes to be like super intimidating as villains. And like, I was kind of hoping that there would be other forces at play here besides just these, you know, these spice runners and for them to be like, Oh, we made Boba think that the bikers killed the Tuscans, but it was really us. Um, and Cad Bane is just like, Oh, you guys are more ruthless than I thought you were. And, and that's what I was saying. Like, I, I wish they had introduced Cad Bane earlier and kind of had him be like the main antagonist of the series. Um, because for me, the Pikes are just not, you know, they're not top tier main bad guys. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a cool interaction that Cad Bane had with them. And then when he comes in and kind of has that first showdown with Boba um, and is just being real, you know, intimidating and menacing and like knows how to get under his skin and almost kind of goads him into a confrontation right there. And you see Fennec's got to like calm him down and say, you know, hey, not right now. Like we'll fight him on our terms. Um, and then they finally have their big showdown at the end. And, uh, you know, we get Cad Bane, you know, drop those references to the fact that they've known each other for years and that he trained oh, Boba as a good. kid, <laughs> and mentioning Django and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
But man, one thing I love too, because I was wondering, I was like, how is this thing going to go down? And of course, we've we've seen and talked about like the deleted scenes from the Clone Wars where they have that, you know, that old Western standoff, which was, uh, well, they they basically repurposed that animatic and almost did that shot for shot with Cad Bane and Hunter in the Bad Batch. But then it's also very similar to this, the standoff that he just had with Cobb Vanth in the last episode. And so I was like, are we really going to do this again? Like, or, but also like, are they going to have a big battle? Like, you know, Cad Bane isn't the type to, you know, go 10 rounds with somebody like he doesn't have armor and, and all this kind of stuff. Like he's, he's just a gunslinger. Um, and so I love that they kind of did that same kind of setup. They, they both were like, all right, let's do this. And they draw and Cad Bane's faster and he shoots Boba down, but Boba's got the armor. So like he doesn't die. Um, but then, uh, and he even gets a couple shots on him. Like, you know, Boba then tries to shoot the flamethrower at him and he dodges and shoots him again. And, uh, you know, cause we as fans have had these debates for years of like, okay, you know, between Boba and Django and Cad Bane, like who's the best bounty hunter and who would win a fight and who's, you know, who's the fastest gunslinger and all that. And, uh, I mean, I kind of love the fact that even though Boba, you know, kind of gets the, the final word and like wins that fight. And even though Cad Bane is, you know, I, we don't know how old, but like even Boba says like he's an old man at this point. Um, he still not only held his own, but like he outdrew Boba twice. Like he got the drop yeah. on him. Um, and so we're seeing that, you know, he still holds up very well. And you could make the argument that under you know, under different circumstances, like he definitely could have beaten him. Um, and uh, yeah, even, even at his age and even with as, as formidable, as formidable as Boba is, you know, Cad Bane holds his own and he is not to be messed with. So that was just an awesome showdown. And I, I love that, you know, the way that they resolved that fight too, even though to me, like once Boba left to get the rancor and he showed back up and had the gaffy stick, I kind of knew I was like, he's going to end up like killing Cad Bane or like doing something <laughs> important with that. Otherwise he wouldn't have it strapped to his back when he didn't before. Like that was a little bit of a, an obvious foreshadowing. Um, but still, I know it works with the theme of, you know, him becoming part of the Tuscan tribe and learning that like, you know, you're stronger in numbers and when you have a tribe and a family and people you can rely on. Um, and that is kind of his, his one up over Cad Bane. Cause when they have that fight at the end, even though Cad Bane gets the drop on him and uh, you know, is arguably like the, the still the faster gunslinger, like, his dudes are all beaten at that point. Like they have this fight in the middle of the street as the rancor is ram rampaging around and the pikes are on the run. And like Boba's, you know, they've pretty much won the battle for Mos Espa at that point. Um, and so it, you know, it wouldn't matter if Cad Bane beat him one-on-one, -on -one. like Boba's team has won that. And, you know, they, they won by fighting together. Um, but then the fact that, you know, he, he couldn't beat Cad Bane with the blasters or the flamethrower or whatever, but he beats him with the gaffy stick that he got from his tribe was kind of, you know, just a nice symbolic gesture there. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, I know he stabs him through the chest and then there's that shot of Cad Bane where it looks like he's dead, but then there's like the little blinking thing on his chest. And actually, when I just watched it for the third time, it was the first time that I noticed that you could actually like hear something beeping, that it wasn't oh, yeah. just it, yeah. like flashing. Like that was the first time I heard the sound to it, too. Um, but I also was like, was that always there? Is that like a because we don't know, you know, he's got like the tubes that go from his face and he's, it's like hooked up to that thing on his back. So maybe that thing blinking was almost like a um you know like the heart monitor machines at the hospital that like beeps when when somebody flatlines or something like that so maybe it was something like that 
maybe it's something to, to say he's still alive. Who knows? But like, I don't know. I'm so tired of characters like seemingly dying and then coming back from the dead. And like, he got skewered through the chest with a gaffy stick. He's an old man. Like, if they want to do more Cad Bane story, you know, have Cad Bane show up in more stories in between, you know, between the Bad Batch and now you've got still like 30 yep. years worth of stories he could show up in. So I say let him be dead at this point. Like we don't need to keep seemingly char- killing characters off and then keep bringing them back. Like I-, I like having some finality to these kind of things, but that's just me. Oh yeah, I totally agree with you and kind of have a lot to say on this whole sequence on the Boba Cad Bane stuff, but I get to starting where you left off with the supposed death of Cad Bane. I'm with you. I kind of hope this is Cad Bane's death because it's such the perfect way for the character to go out by Boba Fett. And it would be really anticlimactic if Boba Fett thinks he has the killing blow for Cad Bane and then he shows up later. If he gets another season and Cad Bane's there and then will Boba Fett have to do it again? It's just, it just was so perfect how it was done here. And like you said, I've seen some complaints how Cad Bane was just brought into live action and you kill him off in two episodes, but I highly doubt this is the last time we're going to see Cad Bane in live action, even if he is in fact dead here, because there's tons of time in the timeline. There's tons of stories where you can put him in uh, throughout various series that maybe we don't even know have been announced yet or on the horizon. I mean, he could show up in uh, Andor for all we know. <laughs> we don't, we just don't know. He, mm-hmm. So I think we're definitely going to see him in live action again, but the way he went out here with Boba being the one to give the killing blow with the gaffy stick, I just thought was so beautifully done. And I know Paul was mentioning earlier how he felt maybe it could have been some more Cad Bane. I would have felt that way if Cad Bane first showed up and faced Boba in this moment at the end. But I actually absolutely loved the fact that we had that other scene towards the beginning of the episode where Boba Fett and Cad Bane face off and almost had that uh, duel right then and there. And that's where Cad Bane reveals to Boba that the Pikes are the ones who killed his Tuscan family and just egging Boba on. And just seeing the, I mean, you can't see his face, but you, you see it in the helm of Boba's anger and just kept saying to Fennec, I could take him. I could take him out. He just really wanted to take him out right then and there. All that just builds up and made that final showdown all that more special to me. And it was just great from a small scale action sequence too, where you do have the classic Western draw. And like you said, Kyle Cad Bane gets the best of Boba Fett in that moment, but the lead up to that, the dialogue, and that's what I was so excited for once Cad Bane was revealed in the sixth episode. And knowing that he's of course going to have to come face to face with Boba's and we're going to have to have some type of dialogue and conversation with each other. And you just knew that, or at least for me, just really hoping that they would reference something from those unfinished Clone Wars episodes. And we got it. We didn't get a direct reference to like, hey, this isn't the first time we dueled. Do you remember what happened last time? Do you know how you got your dent in that helmet? Like stuff like that mm-hmm. we didn't get. But just the fact of Boba saying, like saying, telling him I'm not a little boy anymore. Like we know what he's talking about and referencing. It was just so great. And then Cad Bane saying one final lesson, knowing or hinting and kind of confirming that, yes, he did train Boba Fett in those episodes, even though we haven't seen it. That's what's so crazy about it. We know that history, but they're episodes we technically haven't seen yet. But we know a lot about their history through those few deleted scenes that we got, which is so great. And the way Boba takes out Cad Bane, I think, didn't think it could be any more perfect the way it was. The way it was 
directed the music. I loved the music that played when Boba uh, whipped out his gaffy stick and hit him. It was a variation mm-hmm. on the book of Boba Fett theme. It was just such a very triumphant moment. And it was just really cool. But what makes it so good is just thematically how, how well it works. Like you alluded to Kyle, where the way I took it is Boba Fett is facing kind of like the last obstacle of him fully going away from his bounty hunter life. And who better than that obstacle to be than the bounty hunter who trained him or one of them. We don't know how long he trained him for, but right now I'm kind of taking that Cad Bane more so than Aura Singh was probably Boba's mentor more than anyone else other than Django. And so to have Boba, have Cad Bane be Boba's kind of last obstacle to overcome that and move on from that bounty hunter life and to take him out, not with anything that he used previously as a bounty hunter, not his flamethrower, not his blaster, but his gaffy stick that he got from his family. The whole thing that's motivating him to do this and to take out that last obstacle from his previous bounty hunter life by that gaffy stick, the weapon he made uh, from his family in this new life he wants to build and this new family he wants to have. I just thought thematically it worked so well. I just loved everything about this sequence. And Paul, you alluded to how this episode might be one of your top 20 things in star Wars. This moment right here is definitely in that category for me. as one of my favorite star Wars moments yeah. ever. It was just so well done. I just had the biggest smile on my face and just, man, this was exactly what I was hoping for when Cad Bane was brought in and knowing he would come face to face with Boba. It was just so, so well executed. I couldn't love it any more than I do. You know, I, I think it's really interesting because I, I know Kyle, you talked about how a lot of people were doing like their own like fan edits of or or, or deep fakes of like different versions of, of Cad Bane. And I think like this episode and seeing him in action, I really bought into it more. And I could understand people's because like, I was weirded out by it too at first, but this episode really defined like okay no i actually like what the way they've done with this and i love mm-hmm. the way he looks um i have zero I, problem with the way he looks and i i think it just seen him in used to the live action iteration we, we talked a little bit about behind the scenes of chris anton uh, just being a little bit different um and, and how there's different adaptations of different interpretations of things and film to screen and all those things are going to be different and um with that said I just, I really liked the way they, they, I thought it was a perfect balance of what they did from from page to screen. As someone who has experienced adaptations of their favorite costume characters, like in Marvel, just from, you know, from move from the page to screen, it it is, I I feel I'm not an expert of it, but I feel I have a good idea, like a a good gauge of what's a good one and what's not a good one. I feel like Star Wars, they're just kind of dipping their toes, so to speak, into this whole adaptation world a little bit. And I got to say, I think they've really hit it out of the ballpark. I think they've really done a good job of, diff- you know, giving it a, their own style, but staying true to the character. I mean, like Chris Anton looks exactly like Al. It's a, he's a, it's a little wider, it's a little wider, I think, than uh, than the comic book version. That I think they, you know, the comic version that we've talked before as well is just kind of all over the place as far as like size guys and, and that's just Wookiees in general. Um, but with like Cad Bane specifically, it's just really cool to see, like, a, a, you know, because the animation version, it very much is the Duros, like, from A New Hope, and it's just like, you know, here you go. But I think you mm-hmm. had to take into account all the other things, that, you know, you have to do, like, all, like, the, the like the trench coat, the hat. How does that all look together? 
And I gotta say, I think they, I think they made the right decisions. I think it looks great. I think he moves great. I think that's the biggest thing I, I, that I, I picked up from was the way he moved. He moved yeah. like Cad Bane to me. And I, I don't mm. know who the actor was who put, portrayed him, but I felt they did it. Um, you know, obviously Dave Filoni and and, and uh, Robert Rodriguez had a hand in this, but they did a great job, I think, of bringing in that character and showing us kind of how he moves and everything. And yeah, I, I you Tim, I, I love this moment. I thought. It it almost was like I loved it, but it almost was almost too on the nose when he took the gaffy stick. And was like I'm taking you out with my with my new way. Like I'm. But it's like way. how could it be any other way though? No, I know, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and, I no, yeah, and, and like I said, it wasn't like I like the fact that he did it, but the fact that like he came back on the rancor with the gaffy stick on his back when he didn't have it before it was just kind of like an obvious tell that like that was gonna happen. No, and and that's the thing. I was like I. I, I get it. I get it. Like I, I and I, 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 I do think, and you know me, I'm a big theme person. I think thematically, I love that part too, because it is the old wave dying and the new wave rising. And I think there is a lot to be said with that and about just people in general, you know, putting their past behind them. And as, as we, I think the best Star Wars stories are all about them are all about the themes that, in them, you know, and I think we all can agree to that for the most part is some of the best things about star wars is are those things that you know george embedded into um this deep mythology and that's what makes fairy tales so unique right is because they are telling these morality tales what are you saying tim no i was gonna say yeah i just totally agree (laughs) that's that's why we love these stories (laughs) yeah yeah so i i I, yeah i i love this i loved cad i thought cad bane you know was just phenomenal and i and i for the record i um one i don't think he's dead I think they purposely have that little beeping sound for a reason. Um, that's just me. I think, but here's the thing though: you can only do that one more time, or you can only do this once. You can only not, you can only rise them up one more time, and after that, you gotta, you gotta, you, gotta, you know, which I, I think see. will happen. I, at I the think same time, like, how can he go out any better than the way he did in this I episode? Agree. Yeah, yeah. But, but here's what: here's my prediction. I think that. Um, I think it's going to be where if he does come back, it's going to be a team up and it's going to be him and Boba, like kind of like in that previous Clone Wars episodes, we have episodes we haven't seen yet seen. Yes. How I said that there. Um, I think that's going to be um, the next thing we're going to see them team up together. And it's going to be that whole pat like, okay, you're different. I'm, you know, a, a redemption art for Cad Bane because Cad Bane's just Boba Fett, you know, a little bit different, you know, from, from at least from the that perspective of like Bo, bounty hunter doing his, his job or whatever but if he doesn't come back this is the perfect way to take him out and um yeah as far as the episodes or those clone wars episodes go i think it is a freaking no-brainer that you can put those off in a, in a in a disney plus tv movie exclusive for like you know yeah, put it out there for you know for a, an hour whatever special clone wars special and people are going to eat that crap up, and me included. I I, I don't think why it, I, anyone who thinks we're not going to get that. I feel like it'd be a tremendous upset if we didn't at this point. Yeah, I'm not sure if you guys. Are I, don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm starting to get like major Siege of Mandalore vibes to where we didn't know that was coming, but yet they were going out of the way not to like tell those stories in any books, comics, or anything yeah. like that because it was something that had to be done in animation or in the Clone Wars. I think. The same thing's going to happen with these episodes, but I actually think I'm, I think I said this before too, but I could totally see them doing this, that story arc in a bad batch, some bad batch episodes. 
Um, you can just change the story a little bit where it's not taking place during the Clone Wars. I mean, Bad Batch isn't that far removed from the end of the war yet. So it could still work in the timeline, but it's kind of we work it a little bit where you're telling the same story, just maybe a little further down the timeline. I'm going to disagree with you guys on this. Well, maybe not with Tim, because you said you could you could do it in Bad Batch. I definitely don't think we're getting more Clone Wars episodes. And maybe it's just... Not the... episodes. It'll be a movie. It won't be like an episode. Be no, like no, a... no. Yeah, episodes, movie, whatever. I don't think we're getting more... I don't think we're getting any more, like, visual media with Star Wars The Clone Wars on it. Because, I mean, again, the, just the fact that it, that it got canceled, we got the final season, we got the, the um, or when I say the final season, we got, you know, the, the Lost Missions, we got, like, those unfinished story reels, we got the, the comics, the novels, all that stuff that was adapted from some of those stories, and then to finally come back around to it and get the Siege of Mandalore, and that being, like, the end of the Clone Wars story... And just all the sort of finality around, you know, the Clone Wars saved and, and all that kind of stuff. And it kind of coming back for one last hurrah. And then them getting to put the ending on it that they wanted to. And then moving on with the Bad Batch and all the stuff that but they're you don't doing now. I don't think, I don't, no, I don't, I don't think they're going to go back to it. But here's the other thing, because I'm not done yet. I just went back and watched that deleted scene the other day with the showdown between Cad Bane and Boba Fett. And... Not only did again, like they pretty much repurposed that for the Bad Batch and and had the showdown between um, Cad Bane and Hunter play out almost the exact same way, um, but also like if you watch that animatic and the end of it when they they draw and shoot each other, I know the final image is just Boba's helmet with you know kind of that smoking blaster mark that becomes like that iconic dent in the helmet. But I'm pretty sure that Boba would have killed Cad Bane because when you see the wide shot with the two of them shooting and then they both get hit, they both fall back and like Cad Bane's hat flies off too. And so, I but... mean, he could have, he, he <laughs> could have just been work around that easily. Well, you could, but here's the thing. I think they're working around that by just incorporating a lot of these elements into the story in different ways. I absolutely would not be surprised if we get a story in the Bad Batch where we see Boba and Cad Bane together and maybe see that, that, makes they're, sense, yeah. that they're training, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be the same story arc. It's not going to be the same story transplanted into the Bad Batch. Also, we uh, like I remember from Dave Filoni talking about it at Celebration, and I think they may have even shown some other clips of this. That arc was also going to revolve around the Tuscans Tuscan a lot Raiders. too. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think I there was going to be like stuff. some of those episodes where like either Cad or Boba or both had to like live with the Tuscans while they were out in the desert, while they were like, it was like a Boba or something like Boba that. purposely got himself captured by the Tuscans, yeah. oh, which okay. I think that was something they would need to change because it would take a little right. bit away from what he went through in the book. See, of Boba I, I don't know. Well, about, yeah. It's don't almost, it's that. almost like in book of Boba Fett, they're repurposing some of those story ideas. But that see, they I don't know. Initially had. I don't think you could, I think you could work. I think it would make more sense because he could be more, he's not scared of this. I mean, it's Boba Fett, but I feel like you could work off that. Like he, cause it, it could be a short time. He was captured. It makes him like, it makes him like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It makes it more believable that he'd be able to get out of that situation because he's been in it before. So, mm. That's that's True. again for me. There's retooling you could do it, but I feel like a lot of it's already there. You could easily work that in. If not, it's whatever. But at the same time, yeah, you could do, that. You could do those episodes. And you don't have to call it Clone Wars or Bad Batch. You just call it Book of Boba Fett, whatever, and say are special, and just be like what, and just put it in there. 
Yeah, but I think if it's something that's going to take place in the Clone Wars era, like they would put Clone Wars on that. It's both but the other thing, and and Tim, you said, but but Tim, you also said that like, um, you know, this almost feels like the Siege of Mandalore, where like it's a story that we know exists, but it's never been told. But I think this is different because with Siege of Mandalore, I think Dave Filoni was always hoping that they would get to tell that story. Whereas with this, I think I, I think it's kind of similar because he's probably been holding on to that to try to do something with it. But also because for so long they've been wanting to make a Boba Fett standalone film. Like it's probably one of those things that like, okay, well, we're, we can't put this out as canon, you know, just as a, a novel or a comic or something like that. Because if we do a Boba Fett movie, we don't you know, it might contradict it or, you know, we, we want to give whoever's doing that movie or now with the Bo- book of Boba Fett series, like whoever's doing that, we want to give them creative license or freedom to not have to line up with this Clone Wars story or whatever. So I think, I think now that the book of Boba Fett is out and now that we've gotten kind of a conclusion to the whole storyline between Cad Bane and Boba, I do think we will see more of that fleshed out, whether we see them together in um the, like whether we see them together in the Bad Batch um, or even like if they were to do an adaptation of that story arc, like as a comic or something like that. Um, I think that yeah. would make sense. But I think, I think it would be heavily like sort of like the, the Darth Maul son of Dathomir kind of thing. Um, but you could do that as like a Marvel miniseries, right? Like now that we've seen Boba yeah. and Cad Bane together in live action, like something that shows more of their history together. I just think it would be a heavily edited version of that story from the Clone Wars, because I don't think, I don't think they're going to have that same showdown that we would have seen in the Clone Wars. See, I, I disagree. Yeah. I because agree. And just going back to Cad Bane, supposedly, I think originally that was supposed to be Cad Bane's death. And when they were making those episodes at the same time, when bat, he showed up in the bad badge, I don't think it's a, there's any other reason why they would put that metal plate in his head as part of his new design in that. And he even saw it here in live action. I, that's why hmm. I think he has it. You're right. He does have the middle plate because he has. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about I'll that. I'll have to go yeah. look at that because I, I saw people talking about that, but I didn't notice a, a metal plate, especially in Bad Batch. Well, yeah, he I, definitely had it. Yeah, yeah. I, hmm. I think I think there's what I and what I would think too. And that do you think the whole stand, the whole like you know quick draw thing, that's kind of Cad's thing, and I think that would emphasize more so that. It, it make more sense to see it again in that in that first time ever, and maybe it would make sense to why Boba would be kind of false victim to it later on in the Book of Boba Fett again, um, and that's why I, I loved how it said like you know I'm not you know I'm still faster than you, and he's like what well, maybe so like it's like even Boba's not afraid, but he under, he's not underestimating him. He knows like Cad can destroy him because he has that dent in his in his mm-hmm. arm in his you know helmet because of it. So there's there's a lot there, and I think you could do a comic book, and you know me, I love me some comics, and I'd be all about it, but I prefer it to be, to be honest, I prefer it to be in, in animation or live action. One of the two. I don't want, yeah. I don't want either, I don't want a book, I definitely don't want prose, let's get that crap out of here, um, <laughs> but give me, give me comic, give me a comic at the very least if you're not going to do it at all, but if you're going to do it, do it live action. I, 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 but personally, I honestly prefer to see it in, in, in Clone Wars animated animation style. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I think if we do get it in animation, I think they could work it into book or into bad batch somehow, I think but I think it would be, I think it would be more something where the bad batch would come across Cad Bane and he's taken on Boba Fett as, you know, yeah. a, 
a Padawan. If unlikely. You will. Um, yeah. An but unlikely. we're not going to see a full four episode story arc just devoted to those guys because, I yeah. mean, as we've seen, just I don't think that's their style with Bad Batch. But I mean, a whole new wrinkle into that could be Omega, too, with her meeting Boba Fett and Boba Fett meeting yeah. her. What I could throw into the story, too. What if Omega's captured by the Tusken Raiders? Hmm. Mm. No, no. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I will say, and, and the, I, I will say, I mean, just talking about people getting getting captured by Tuscans and stuff. Like, I'm good with Tatooine for a while. Like, I know we're going to go right back there in the Obi-Wan series, but like with all the people talking about, you know, I, I mean. He'll be leaving off planet, apparently. Well, yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm and glad good. That it's not just I agree. Be I agree. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, going to different planets and seeing Inquisitors and all that stuff. Like, I'm 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 a lot more excited for the Obi Wan series than I was when I thought it was just going to be him on Tatooine the whole time. Well, um, and, and um, but also we got real. I think seeing it in animation style for a couple for like, for one show isn't that big of a deal. I think seeing it a sand planet live action. I think we're all. Even me, who Tam was yeah, but especially if it's another storyline dealing with somebody getting captured by Tuscans, like I would just, 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 just leave it alone for a little while. Like, and ever since Mandalorian season one, people have been complaining, oh, why do they keep going back to Tatooine and relying on this nostalgia? And it's supposed to be this backwater planet. Why does all this important stuff keep happening there? And like, I've never had a problem with it. You yeah. never hear me complain about that. Just by the end of this season of the Book of Boba Fett. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm good on Tatooine stories for the time being. Like, and even when we get the the tease at the end, which I'm sure you loved, Paul, getting to see that mod guy again working on Cobb Vanth. Yes, that was one other small little gripe I had because like so I'm fine with Cobb Vanth surviving. Like, I think a lot of us expected after his duel with Cad Bane that he might still be alive anyway, right? Because he only got shot once and everybody rushes over to give him medical attention. The deputy got shot like five times and nobody cared about him. We're like, he's toast. Cobb Vanth, he could have survived that. We've seen people survive blaster shots before. But then when the people of Freetown show up and they're like, oh, he gunned him down in cold blood. And, you know, it seems like they're, you know, wanting to like avenge the marshal. I was like, oh, dang, maybe he really did die. And then at the end for him to be in the back to tank with like the mod guy about to work on him. And like, I don't know, like I like Cobb Vanth and I definitely don't mind seeing more of him. But to me, he's not a character that's cool enough for like that to be the post credit scene. You know what I mean? Like I was hoping for something that was either going to like lead into Mandalorian season three or Ahsoka or like something cool with Boba Fett. And instead it's just like, Oh, we just waited till now to tell you that Cobb Vanth is still alive, and apparently he's going to have some mods or something the next time we see him, whether that be in a season two of the Book of Boba Fett or Mando season three or whatever. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, that's cool, I guess. But also I was like, I hope Mando isn't right back here with Boba and Cobb Vanth and everybody in Mando season three, because A, I'm way more invested in whatever's going on with like him and Mandalore and the Darksaber and all that kind of stuff. And also I was just like, again, just feeling a, a tiny bit of Tatooine fatigue by the end of the season where I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm looking forward to going off to some other planets, telling some other stories. And then I'm sure eventually we'll come back here and see more of Boba and probably see Cobb Vanth again. And that's fine. But that's not like the thing that I'm super excited to see next. Yeah. 
that was very anticlimactic, especially with freaking Lionheart, whatever the hell his name is, bass player. Which again, <laughs> Thundercat. But whatever his name is, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Dude's a, uh, heard's an amazing bass player. I'm I'm a bass player myself, and and that's that's rad. But I just don't. It's whatever. It's yeah. Cobb band is just whatever. I I love the I love the actor Timothy Oliphant, whatever his name is, is great. Um, but yeah, I don't really have a a, a real affection for Cobb Vanth himself. Um, that's just me. I know some people. There there are some fans out there that are like wanting to come after you with pitchforks right now. There's some people that absolutely love Cobb Vanth. But, but yeah, because like, because Timothy Timothy Oliphant is an amazing actor. And yeah, so, and yeah. I totally get it. Like I I respect that. Like I know he's a handsome man. Like, I get it. Like, yeah. You know, and like I, I said, he's it's he's a cool character. He's just not like yeah, doesn't have that weight of like that reveal of a post credit no. scene being like, guys, Cobb, especially when we all thought he was still alive, and to to wait till the post credit scene to be like, yep, Cobb Vance is still alive. Yeah. tune in next time. It's yeah, like, eh, okay. Well, um, since I have to run here, I'll I'll give my final thoughts before uh we all we all guys are done. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, I would love to talk more about the book Boba as a whole, um, the whole piece at one point, maybe we will soon. Um, but either way, I think this episode um, was really, really good. I love this episode a lot. I've rewatched it a couple of times now, and it's just, it makes me happy for many different reasons. The Rancor yeah. is great. The, there are some great moments. The, you guys are going to talk about the Grogu stuff in here in a second. Um, I thought the Grogu thing, it makes me almost cry when he jumps into his arms. Like, I mean, I think I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone on that. Uh, but it's very emotional. Um, but it was just a really, I, I thought like Tem really brought it a little more, a little more, um, I think in this episode, he, this is going to sound weird. He looked thinner in this episode. I'm not sure if that's just mm. me, but it looked like he almost, it almost felt like he his. He's kind of fitted it. He kind of lost a little weight by the end of this sh- this shoot. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe looked, I don't know. He looked, he looked a little thinner in this one. Um, it, I thought he looked a lot better in the armor, if that makes any sense. I really, but don't get me wrong. I love the deep robe, the the Tuscan robe underneath it. I think that's a phenomenal uh, touch. So I can't wait to get that Black Series figure. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, I, 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 as a whole, I think the Book of Boba Fett was great. I really do. Um, even though I had a couple episodes I was kind of on, the highs are too high for me to, to ever, you know, be down on it. And I think that the episodes that they go back to, and I wanted to bring this up on the uh, really quick on the show too. Um, but the one thing that's really crazy to me is that people will criticize this, uh, you know, and then Reagan, I, I agreed rightfully so, but I always looked to it as I, I looked at, looked at it as like a comic book crossover, Tim, where it's yeah. like you have, you know, the Book of Boba Fett is a six-issue mini or six-issue six series crossover. When two of the episodes crossover with the Mandalorian, because it really felt like that way of that that ending episode. Because you have you have to introduce Grogu. You have to give you have to give Grogu back because of the of the Rancor and everything. And and obviously you need Mandalorian there and to have it all make sense. So it really felt like a crossover for between comic books more so. And, but again, I understand it's called Book of Boba Fett, but that's why I kind of looked to it as I'm like, okay, well, it, it makes sense for me. I, I want to see a season two. I really do. I think, but I do think that Boba Fett needs to get off planet. I think he needs to get off and do an adventure, have him have a reason to get out. But if, but at the same time, if there's a great story that takes place on Tatooine on, and maybe a, you know, a, a whatever, I'm not sure if one of you guys talked about this, but why didn't the battle happen at, at Jabba's palace? Like, I thought about that and like that would have been kind of rad. Uh, that's what I thought was going to happen, but then yeah. kind of the mods talked him into staying in Mos Espa. 
but I, yeah. I, I, I think it's it's more about him him fighting to protect the people of Mos Espa and not sense. just like his own kingdom. Kind but of. that's but that could be next season, <clears throat> and I think that'd be really cool to have a big because I've always Dude. wanted to see yeah. Javis Palace like in like an actual like fight, like actually going yeah, front yeah. gates. Like, so uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a, a, map, a map of battle like, fight. Yeah, uh, yeah, extraction and battlefront. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so uh, overall, I would give this a good solid like seven and a half out of ten overall, you know. And I do think there's some there's some low points, as like any season's gonna have them. But you know, I I think this book of both it was great. Um, I thought I I love G- I love John Favreau. I really do. I think his writing's pretty damn solid, and I think it's good. And people who complain about it on Twitter, I'm just like, dude, just don't watch Mandalorian season three and do me a favor and, and just I don't have to hear you talk about it. You know, you, you can say you're not watching it. That's fine. But like, if you people can watch it and just want to hate watch it, you just stop. But either way, I love it. I love Dave. I love John. I think they're, they are just a phenomenal team. Um, I can't, I hope we get a season two and uh, yeah, I, I, I love it. Love it all. Nice. So, all right. Well, Godspeed rebels. <laughs> there we go. We got the Godspeed, Godspeed rebels. Paul's heading out. Uh, all right. Later. See ya. Um, yeah, Tim and I are going to have a, a few more last thoughts to, to finish up with here before we wrap up, and then we'll get to some listener comments and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the one big thing we didn't really talk about yet um, is that introduction of Grogu, which was kind of surprising that he showed up, like, that early in the episode. Like, and again, this was something that even after all the stuff with Luke, I thought we maybe were going to have to wait either until Mando Season 3 or until, like, the very end of this episode. Yeah, um, kind here. of as a setup for Mando season three to find out like that what was going to be the post credit scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I don't think. I mean, maybe some people are surprised. I wasn't surprised that he chose the armor again. Like Me Mando either. had that. Yeah. He's got the perfect little Grogu size like bubble cockpit up on top of the ship. I was like, that's for Grogu to ride around in in season three when he comes back. Um, but I do think though that this his story of being a, being a Jedi is not over yet. I mean, we talked about this. Yeah, earlier, that there's gonna I think. There's going to be some way that they're going to tie it into where he's both. I mean, even in episode five, where you're talking about um, the history of Mandalore and the Darksaber, where the first Jedi, the only Jedi to be a Mandalorian, and just how like they're hinting at that that so maybe it could happen again at some point. And we might be thinking, it you know, could. who else is there to fill those shoes other than Grogu right now? I mean, Din has the Darksaber, but he's not a Jedi. He's not Force sensitive. Mm-hmm. So Grogu right now is kind of have. Uh, his feet in both ends of the pool, really, when it comes to being a Jedi and Mandalorian. So I just, even though he's going to be with Din for season three, I mean, that's the main reason why I think obviously that they brought him back here just so, because I guess at this point now, Mandalorian as a series, is, would it be the same for a lot of people unless Grogu was a part of it? Because he has been such obviously a huge part in the story and why it's been so successful in the first two seasons. So it makes sense that he'd be there for season three, but um, where his story goes beyond just him choosing the armor, I think it's still up in the air as far as what his eventual uh, fate's going to be when it's all said and done. So, but yeah, so it wasn't a huge surprise, like you said, that we saw him chose choose the armor and he was on his way to be back with Din. But when that X-wing showed up, I was like, oh man, is Luke actually going to be a part of this finale and this battle? Yeah, that's fun. But it was good that they didn't, though. It's cool that would have been. None of the awesome stuff we would have got here would have been able to play out the way it did if Luke was there. Yeah, definitely. And especially after Mando season two, I mean, again, that's also one of those things like that Mando season two finale where 
you know, you, you set up this battle against the dark troopers and they come in, everybody's cornered. And, you know, you've seen how hard it is for Mando to take on one of those guys. And then Luke just comes and cuts through them like butter. But like, you can't have Luke showing up at the, at the end of every season of everybody's yeah. show and just be the one saving the day. So you got to kind of save that for, for special occasions and be smart about how you use him as cool as that would have been. But also, like I said, I mean, you know, the Pikes, like Boba and Mando can handle that. You know, exactly. next time you got a, a dark trooper level threat, something that only a Jedi can handle. I can't wait to see, especially I was thinking about, you know, whatever they have in store for like the grand finale of the these sort of interconnected stories. Like after Ahsoka, when like Thrawn comes back and you've got Imperial remnants and stuff, I want to see some kind of battle where you've got like Luke, Ahsoka and Ezra like charging into battle together against some kind of formidable enemy that like only Jedi can take down. But like that enemy is not the Pikes, you know, like yeah. <laughs> that was fine for just Boba and Mando getting to do their, their whole armored gunslinger thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was surprising to see, to see Grogu show up that early. Um, and then, you know, at that point you kind of knew like, okay, Mando's going to run into him at some point during this battle. Um and as much as, you know, there there were kind of some slightly annoying moments with Peli. And like you said, it was even just kind of like a weird choice to just have that reunion kind of suddenly happen in the middle of a battle like that. But mm -hmm. also, and I also mentioned too, kind of my gripe about like it being weird. Like, why do we need Grogu to put the Rancor to sleep? Why can't Boba just come back and like tame his Rancor? Like, that's what he's supposed to do. He's the one that trained this thing and he already beat Cad Bane. So like, where are you at? Come get your Rancor. Um but I did love the way that, like, just the stuff that Grogu got to do and the fact that we see that even though he was with Luke a short time, like, again, I feel like, like, this doesn't feel like sort of a sudden, like, wishy-washy kind of decision. Like, okay, he's going off with Luke. Oh, wait, never mind. Like, we still need the Baby Yoda merchandise, so we're going to put him back with Mando. It's like, it feels like that was a good development for the story. Because, again, we, we got to see, at least from, like, episode five and six, like, you see the toll that it's taken on both of them. You see that they've been apart for some time. You see that they're missing each other. You see the way it affects them. And it, that kind of works for both of their character development. But also, then him coming back here, like, we see that clearly, even though he was only with Luke a short time, like, his Force powers have grown and yeah. developed significantly in terms of, like, just his his sort of control over them. Um, and it being more of, like, a a conscious choice and something he's controlling rather than just, like, an instinct. Um, yeah. you know, cause you kind of got that sense, like, even like with the mud horn, you know, when he lifts the mud horn that first time in, in that second episode of the Mandalorian, that it was like, like, you know, Mando didn't even know that Grogu had these powers. And it's almost as if Grogu didn't even, you know, like is sort of barely aware of them himself, but he was just sort of like instinctively reaching out to save Mando. Um, whereas here, like he leaves Peli, he walks over, like he's very clearly like, He's more intentional about it. He's more controlled. Like when that droid is, uh, you know, the, the big Scorponek droid or whatever is like trying to crush Mando's legs and Grogu like pulls, like obviously he's not going to lift that whole droid by himself, but the fact that he could use the force to pull that one like pin out of its leg and make the whole thing collapse um, just showed that like, you know, we see him growing a little bit, both in his force abilities and also like just sort of in his his maturity and his intelligence that he would you know think to do that um 
and then also even at the end when he puts the rancor to sleep and then is kind of like petting it. And it's funny because we see, like we've seen before when Grogu uses the force, like he gets tired really easily and then he'll kind of just like pass out. And I liked that here after he put the rancor to sleep, he didn't just kind of like fall over and pass out. Yep. He's like, okay, now I'm going to go curl up next to you and take a nap. So even yeah. <laughs> that, it was like, it still makes him tired, but it's like rather than, you know, a baby where like they'll just randomly fall asleep, like sitting at the table, like eating food or whatever. Like, you know, it's like they'll be awake one moment and asleep the next. It's like now he's kind of got the 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 control and the um, just the sense of awareness to be like, OK, I did that. It tired me out. Now I'm going to go lie down and take a nap. So, um yeah, I, I like those little touches of like seeing um, how he's growing and developing, even though he's obviously still very young and like you said, still has a lot of training to do. I'm sure that at some point we'll see him back with Luke or I don't know, maybe even Ahsoka. I know Paul's not here to hear me say that, but like I don't think that Ahsoka is <laughs> going to take Grogu on as a student, but we may see him learn a thing or two from Ahsoka along the way because I'm sure these characters haven't crossed paths for the last time. So um yeah i'm really excited to see to see him continue to just grow and develop those powers and to see him you know kind of just learn things about the world and see him you know grow and mature more and it's funny because even though, like he's still so young and being you know 50 plus years old at this point it's like who knows how much we're actually going to see him grow and develop like over the course of this series like i would love to see stories set like you know, see a, a story set like 50 years in the future with like a 100-year-old Grogu training with like 40-year-old Rey mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Grogu being like a full-fledged Jedi Knight and maybe being, you know, maybe having uh, Beskar armor in the Darksaber. Like, that would be freaking <laughs> awesome. Um, but also, like, I wonder even within this series, like, are we going to hear him talk for the first time? Like, will we see him... It's Maybe funny you say that. Like I think a... we did hear him talk or say one word in this episode. Really? When, what was that? When uh, Pelly looks into the X-Wing and uh, sees him in there and he goes like, hello, little guy. He, to me, it sounds like he goes like, hello, like really quick. <laughs> like it's in huh. baby talk, but it does sound like he said hello. I'll have to go back and listen to that. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to see him having like full-on conversations with Mando. But I do think by the end of this show, like however long it goes, we'll maybe hear him start talking a little bit. And I think that'll be freaking adorable and they've probably got you know three or five years or whatever you know between now and then to just figure out like what his voice is going to sound like i'm yeah. sure there's going to be tons of thought and opinion that's just going to go into that um but yeah like will we even see him i don't know maybe use a training saber will he eventually get yoda's lightsaber from luke like i don't know there's so many cool possibilities you know for the character like both within this series and you know far in the future as well um but yeah, so it was it was you know cool to see those touches and see see him use the force in those ways and uh, yeah I'm just I'm excited to see the two of them together again. Like I said, I, if you had told me that at the end of Mandalorian season two that Din and Grogu would be back together again at the beginning of season three, I would be both surprised and probably disappointed and very skeptical that that would be the right decision for the story. But I feel like they've made it work. Um, just yeah. with the story that we got between them here. You could argue that they made that work at the expense of Boba's story. Um, <laughs> and I do kind of wish that, you know, for with, with seven episodes of the book of Boba Fett with two of them being 
uh, focused on, you know, the Mandalorian and Grogu and another like three episodes being very heavily focused on flashbacks. I wish we had gotten another like maybe two more episodes of the series that were just primarily focused on the present day. Um, Because I really wanted more of the story of like Boba and Mos Espa and... I wish that, you know, we had gotten more of Cad Bane and that there were like some more kind of twists and turns with like the pikes and the huts and just kind of more story developments. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know at the end of the day. And, you know, Paul mentioned too, like it, it kind of feeling like a crossover comic. Um, just like the the fact that the final shot of this episode is Din and Grogu flying off. Like, yeah. again, just kind of reinforces for me, like, this wasn't even so much about Boba Fett as it was like, this was like a Boba Fett interlude in the Mandalorian story. And I mean, if you look at the, if you look at it that way, I think it worked pretty well. Yeah. I think that that's the big thing. You just got to kind of look at the whole series and just everything they're doing with the shows in a different way than maybe we were expecting. Now how they're all building towards this one big event later on. And uh, it was brought to, I kind of forgot about it, but people were mentioning it on Twitter, how it was, during the whole Disney investors things, when they were announcing all the new series, um, when they were talking about uh, Mandalorian very briefly, Kathleen Kennedy did say, you remember how like, see like the next chapter in the story of the Mandalorian will continue next year, which was 2021, um, mm. which she was, she was referring to. And she ended up being right because that was before the finale of season two ended and then revealed obviously in that with the book of Boba Fett and just how that was actually would be the continuation of the Mandalorian story that we did see here in the two episodes. And they're obviously big episodes. Anyone who's a fan of the Mandalorian and who hasn't watched the Boba, the book of Boba Fett's going to need to watch those episodes before season mm -hmm. three. You'll be missing a big chunk of stuff. So that statement ended up being accurate. I just kind of totally forgot about that. That was said during that investors uh, special that they had. So that was always the plan just to kind of have this continue on the story of the Mandalorian just mixed in with, Boba's own story as well, but I totally agree with everything you were saying about Grogu, kind of unexpected, but yet at the end of the day, it still worked really, really well. And one of the things, I have two more things I kind of want to bring up on the finale. The one that we haven't spent too much time on is just the action sequence of Boba riding the Rancor. I thought it looked phenomenal. It looked really, really good. Just seeing mm -hmm. Boba Fett ride the Rancor and Human characters riding on like these big beasts don't always look good all the time, but it probably helps that you're in ar cool armor too. But I thought overall, especially on a TV show budget, it just looked great. And just, I just found it really refreshing getting this kind of action sequence in a Star Wars movie, obviously, or not a Star Wars movie, but live action Star Wars TV show. Obviously referencing, like you said, King Kong and other kaiju stuff, but it was, if you in into monster movies and kaiju fights, this episode delivered on that with Boba and the Rancor taking on those droids. It was cool mm -hmm. action. It looked great. It was just something different that I appreciated because I have seen some people kind of go, like, well, why didn't Boba just go use Slave 1? And I think there's logistical reasons why he wouldn't do that and m probably more damage being caused than he'd wanted to. And you can say the Rancor yeah. caused plenty of damage, but... I mean, uh, it sure did, yeah. But, but that wasn't part of Boba's plan. Like, he didn't plan on losing control of the Rancor. I think with Slave 1, no matter what he did, he would have caused more collateral damage with destroying the droids. But mm -hmm. anyway, regardless of that, I just like that they went something different. It was teased. We knew it was coming, and I thought they pulled it off really, really well as far as how it looked and just how it played out for a really unique Star Wars action sequence and something really epic to that you would expect to have in a season finale, which this episode 
it definitely had. So I really loved that whole sequence uh, with Boba right in the Rancor. I thought it was a great payoff to what they built up. Yeah, definitely. It was weird that in this in in seven episodes of a Boba Fett show, we only saw Slave One in one episode. Yeah, but it definitely made an impression, though. <laughs> That's the thing. It like, did. They they made the most of it in that one episode. But I would like to see more of that. Like the stuff, cool stuff we love about Boba Fett was just spread out over the course of the series. I felt really yeah. well. And Slave One had its episode in the fourth one. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing I just wanted to touch on a little bit more, we talked about how cool the action sequence was with Din and Boba taking on the Pikes, but I just love the dynamic these two characters have. Just the bond that they're forming and the respect that each one has for each other now. It just only grew in this episode where Boba was kind of expecting Din to leave when they found out they were betrayed. And how uh, Din was saying, you know, he made a promise to him and he's intent to keep it. And the name of the t- ep- the episode uh, has to deal with honor. So I just love that Din felt that way. And I just love Boba's response where he's just like, you really believe in that banta fodder? <laughs> just totally the opposite views that they have. But yet that he just goes good because, you know, he needs this help and he's glad he's going to stay. And I just felt that you saw that respect and bond that they have just in their dialogue and conversation in that moment. But then you saw it just play out in the action, too. I just love how um, when one got hit, the other one would just go right over to him to provide cover and blast fire the enemies. Then the other one gets hit, the other one would do the exact same thing. They were just in great sync. It would just really play it off to what was built up in that moment of their dialogue. I just think it's meshed really well into that action sequence. So I just loved everything that's being built with Din and Boba as far as just being like a, a really cool friendship that they're going to have. Cause I know this probably isn't going to be the last time we see them together, but um, the foundations laid there for, I even tweeted this out, like a new iconic duo in star Wars is going to be between Din Jaren and Boba Fett. And you saw that on full display, not only in the action, but with the dialogue they had with each other. I just love what they're building with these two characters. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, they definitely make a, a cool, you know, dynamic duo, if you will, to see them, uh, you know, play out on screen. And I like too that, like, I don't know, it, it's, they've got an interesting relationship and dynamic as far as, like you mentioned, like their views on the man, sort of the Mandalorian way and the creed and everything. And it's like, as much as Boba Fett is kind of like the, the original Mandalorian, if you will, like we wouldn't have Mandalorians in Star mm. Wars if it weren't for Boba Fett, like what they've now sort of established as the Mandalorian lore, like through this show and, you know, just everything related to like the planet of Mandalore and, and their creed and the way and everything like Boba Fett is so far removed from that. Yeah. That, like in my mind, like I don't even think of him as a Mandalorian when you compare it to, to all of that stuff. And like, I don't think Boba sees himself that way. Um, and, you know, that was like an interesting discussion we had back in season two. It's like he's obviously like Din considers him enough of a Mandalorian that he like, you know, thinks that he has a legitimate claim to that armor because his father mm-hmm. was a, a foundling, fought in the Mandalorian Wars, passed that armor down to him. But Boba's like, I've sworn no creed. I have no allegiance. Like when bo says, you're not a Mandalorian, he's like, I never said I was. So he really is like, you know, as much as Boba Fett will always be tied to like the Mandalorian mythology, I think he also is just off doing his own thing. Um, And Din, in a way, is almost like what people thought Boba Fett was like, like, I feel like Din is like a different version of Boba Fett that like exists in some people's minds where he is, you know, a Mandalorian and he never takes his helmet off and he's 
he's the sort of the the cool bounty hunter whereas now we're seeing boba grow into kind of this different role of of a leader and, and seeing his character kind of develop along a different path and even seeing din have like the the forked rifle that boba had in the holiday special and stuff like there's there's a lot of this boba fett stuff that's kind of wrapped up in din as well so it's almost like they're two sides of the same coin like they're two different versions of like mm -hmm. what people think of when they think of boba fett and mandalorians and so um I'm just glad that we get to see both of them and we get, you know, yep. we've got the Mandalorian doing his thing and we've got Boba Fett doing his thing. And, you know, they're both just a lot of fun to watch. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, Oh, the one other thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up, because we, you know, again, there's so many just little action sequences sprinkled throughout here, but I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to my boy, uh, Kersantin, um yeah. <laughs> getting dogpiled by transitions yeah surviving <laughs> and uh man i will one thing i wanted to say too is as much as you know there was a lot of just like blasting and a lot of action that was just kind of like okay this is fine one thing i do absolutely love and i i love this in any kind of like action movie or war movie or whatever when you get like the different groups of reinforcements showing up like when the heroes are down to you know like they're making their last stand and things seem bleak. And then it's like, they don't just get reinforcements, but they get like different groups of reinforcements. And it's all these different like allies that they've made along, you know, over the course of the movie or the show or whatever. And like people that, you know, maybe you thought were dead or maybe you weren't expecting them to show up and they all kind of come through for the heroes in the big moment. And I love when they all get their different like theme music too. Like that's just something that always puts a smile on my face. So when first like the people of Freetown come around with the speeders and you hear um, it's like a retooled version of, uh, I think on the soundtrack, the track is called the Marshall's tale on the Mandalorian season two soundtrack, but it's like the, the theme that plays when Mando rides into Mos Pelgo for the first time. Mm. And now that's kind of become like the theme for, for Mos Pelgo and Cobb Vanth and like the people of Freetown. And that theme plays as they come in to save the day and they, they pull their speeders in front of uh, Din and Boba to block them off. And then like, that kind of more like techie like kind of soundtrack for the mods plays as they come in on their speeders and they join the fight and then you just hear this roar and see a pike <laughs> come flying in from off the side of the screen and Kersantin comes lumbering in with like three more pikes still hanging on him and he's just like shaking them off and he like I just love the one that he takes throws him and then grabs his gun and shoots him out <laughs> of the air and sends him flying another 10 feet and I'm like Oh man, I love Wookiees and I love <laughs> uh I, I love Kersantin getting his moment to shine. Even though, well, first of all, they kept making you think he was gonna die. And like I didn't think they would. I was like, this doesn't seem like a character that they would kill off. And if they do, they better you know make him go down fighting in like the most epic way. But really they just showed like how much punishment he could take. Seriously. I mean, <laughs> he, he had he had some new cuts and scars on him after that fight. Um, but I also thought it was a little silly that like, as he's, he's making his way to the rest of the group and he's kind of like limping along and then a pike jumps out and like shoots him in the back of the leg. And so he's, he's really badly injured and he's limping and, you know, his, his leg is probably barely hanging together. Boba's got to go out and cover for him and rescue him and, and get him behind the speeder. And then once the droid shows up, he's often to the, you know, sprinting <laughs> off behind cover along with everybody else. He's right back up to the races. And so I was like, well, uh, okay, there he goes. Uh, I guess. Maybe someone sprayed some back on him where we just didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Someone from Freetown had an extra. But, um, 
but yeah, he was he was a great uh, introduction for this series. And it's funny because when he first showed up in, um, I guess he first showed up in episode two and was just looking intimidating. And then in episode three was when he like pulled Boba out of the back to tank and like had the fight with the mods. And I was like, I hope that's not the last we see of him. I hope we get to see, you know, some really cool stuff with him in action. And we definitely got that here in the finale. So I was happy with that. And I hope we get to see, I want to see more of Kersantin, especially in these shows going forward. And I also would love to see more of Cad Bane in live action, but like in other stuff that takes place in the past, because I'm cool with him being dead. But for those, you know, two characters kind of being the big, um, you know, the big appearances from like well-known characters making their live action debuts, I thought they both worked really well and and were really fun additions to the show. Yeah, definitely. I just like how it ended too with, you know, the, the family and crew that Boba Fett's built up. Him and Fennec, mm-hmm. got Black Chrysanthemum, got some of the mods. So it's just all working up to where I really hope this isn't it. I think they can easily do more in multiple seasons if they wanted to. And I agree with Paul. It'd be great if they kind of, a story takes them off town and Ween and they just have to go venture off to other worlds for who knows why, but it'd be really cool to see. And one yeah. thing. Well, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, speaking of that ending sequence where everyone's kind of bowing to Boba and Fennec and they give them the Melu on fruit. Um, I love that. I said this already about the variation on Boba's theme when he fought Cad Bane, but I love the one here too, where it's kind of like a medieval version of the Book of mm-hmm. Boba that theme that's playing. It just sounds really, really cool. And just while we're talking about the music, how the end credits, which that theme song for the Book of Boba Fett's becoming already one of my favorite Star Wars themes. I absolutely love it. It's so different, but yet it sticks with you every time I see it. It like makes you want to pump your fist when the episode ends. It's just really great. But the one that they had here at the season finale where they actually said Boba Fett in the <laughs> chant of the song. I thought was a nice touch and a little disappointed they didn't put that on the volume two release of the soundtrack. I was expecting that yeah. to be like the final track, but it wasn't on there, but just the music overall for the series. But in this episode in particular, I just love how they use the different variations of the book of Boba Fett theme, which has become one of my favorites in star Wars now. Yeah, definitely. It's funny because the first time I watched it, I thought that was a little goofy, like especially because like I wasn't like didn't have the best overall impression of the mm-hmm. whole episode the first time I watched it. And then I was like, oh, now we're ending it by singing Boba Fett over and over. Like, uh, I don't know about this. Um, but like, the you know, the more I've watched it, the more I'm like, yeah, it's it's fine. I could kind of take it or leave it. But I will agree with you, like just the the like Boba's theme for the show in general, I think is really great. Um, I find myself humming it all the time, like yep, especially as I'm too. thinking about it and as I'm waiting for new episodes. Just, hum, da-dum, hum, da-dum. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as always, any new great like any new Star Wars movie or show, you know that one of the best things about it is going to be having new Star Wars music to listen to and new character themes and stuff that just add to this collection of music that is just so integral to like making Star Wars what it is. Um, and, you know, this show is no exception. So. Yeah, uh, Ludwig Goranson and uh, Joseph Shirley, who were the composers, they just, you know, knocked it out of the park. Um, Which makes me very yeah, excited think... for what we're going to hear for Kenobi. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of Force themes, but yeah. I really hope he gets his own theme for this also. That would be really cool. I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's got to be some kind of, at least like a, a new kind of like title theme for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, just like even how Boba, like he had like his theme in Mando season two, yeah. which was kind of more like action heavy. And they did still like incorporate that in the book yep. of Boba Fett too, like in some of the more like intense moments. Um, but then he had, you know, like his other kind of like 
more character based theme that was kind of like used as the title theme for the show. So yeah, as much as I'm sure we will get familiar music in Kenobi for like just the force theme and the Jedi and for Vader and the empire and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure there's going to be some really good new stuff as well. Um, and it's interesting. I don't know if Ludwig Goranson is going to be involved in that as well. I would assume that may, like, at least if I, if I had to guess, I would say there's probably going to be a new composer for that show. Yeah. It might um, just be something maybe where his main focus is the Mandalorian to score, score that whole series, but maybe yeah. he'll create the main theme for each show going forward. And then someone else does the scoring for the rest of the episodes. Kind of how maybe i mean I, I wouldn't mind them kind of switching it up like i do hope that ludwig and and i guess joseph shirley is kind of like his um like an associate of his like i i was looking him up and i thought i was like oh, i was just like a new guy but apparently he and ludwig have worked on a lot of scores together and he's um you know also been credited on like some of the movies that he's done and stuff and so maybe he's coming in to just kind of take over some of the load because Ludwig is also like, you know, just becoming more and more in demand and is doing a yeah. lot of movies and stuff. But if the two of them handle all the stuff surrounding Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka, all that stuff, like everything that everything in the Favreau Filoni verse, mm. if you will, um, I hope continues to be scored by those two, but I wouldn't mind having somebody new do it for um, Kenobi. Um I also like just after Rogue One, I really would love to have Michael Giacchino do more stuff for Star Wars. I don't know if he'll do Kenobi or, or any of these other series, but like I hope he gets to do more Star Wars music because I love that Rogue One soundtrack. Yeah, and it's um, also cool they just announced that we're getting an expanded soundtrack release pretty soon, too. Because like there was definitely oh, for stuff cut from the movie. no for Rogue One. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't hear yeah. that. Yeah, oh, well, I it was coming out, but it should be pretty soon, though. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the music was great as always, like the, the visuals and the effects and everything are great. And you can just tell every season, like they get better and better at what they can do with the volume and these sets and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, overall, it's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to what comes next. Um, I mean, you know, the, I do have some criticisms with the series overall. And like Paul was saying, maybe we should just do a, a separate episode where we, um, kind of do more of a, a thorough overview of the whole season of the book of Boba Fett, because I would like to go back and watch the entire season in order. Yeah. Um, I've watched these last three episodes a lot recently, but um, it's, it's been a while since I've watched some of the early ones. And I definitely remember with, with some of the moments in like the first couple episodes that felt a bit slower thinking like, okay, obviously like I can tell that they're, you know, they're kind of taking their time building towards something. And I, I'd be interested to come back and see how well this all fits together once we know the entire story and see where this all goes. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll go and, you know, watch the whole thing start to finish and then come back and, and do a uh, like an in-depth review of the whole season. But, um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I, I've got some criticisms, but there were also a lot of, you know, a lot of great moments. Um you know, a, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of stuff that I'm, you know, going to go back and rewatch and just some, you know, some great additions to the canon as far as Boba Fett and the Mandalorians and this whole ongoing story. So, um, yeah, it was a fun season, fun finale. And uh, if anything, I'm just now really excited for Mando season three. Yeah, I'm just, I'm excited for all of it, man. It was just great. Like we said, Book of Boba Fett ended day later or the day of if you didn't watch it on midnight. 
they got the announcement on the release date for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. It's just mm-hmm. the Star Wars hype level is just incredible right now with coming off of this series and knowing Obi-Wan's just right around the corner. And that's not going to be it for the year. That's the best part. <laughs> like you said, Mandalorian yeah. season three, Bad Batch, Andor. It's just going to be insane. And it's off to a great start with the Book of Boba Fett, in my opinion. And I just can't wait for what's in store for us for the rest of the year when it comes to these series. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, before we wrap up, uh, you want to go ahead and read uh, some listener responses that we got. I know you put out the feelers on Twitter and, and all that for people to chime in with their thoughts on the uh, finale of the Book of Boba Fett. Yep. So first up on Twitter um, from Kid Kenobi, he says, a big fan of the series overall. Would definitely have liked to have seen one more episode to flesh out the conflict with the Pikes and Cad Bane's involvement a bit more. Is Cad really dead? And then Derek Beebe on Twitter says, Episode 6 was fan service of the highest order. And while it was a poor structural choice to continue the story detour in the penultimate episode, it was 100% wizard. Episode 7 <laughs> was a satisfying action conclusion to the story, but it definitely needed more buildup beforehand. So Kid Kenobi and Derek kind of sharing some of our excitement for what we got, but also a little bit of the criticism for some of the comments we've had as well. But then also we got an email from Eric Newman. He goes, hey guys, I love the finale. It was wacky at times and weird, but that goes along with everything that George and Dave gave us in the Clone Wars. Something I strongly believe is the Skywalker saga is not over. It's continued with this and Mando, Rebels, and even Rogue One. The Luke episode will sit next to the original trilogy and the Mando season two finale as emotional and mythological star or mythological Star Wars perfection. I do think the sequels had missteps, but these shows can help clarify some things. My question is a fun one. As of this moment, where will John and Dave will take this big culminating story of all their shows? Where do you guys with your Star Wars day slash dreams see this going? I am sure I will be wrong, but I'm thinking one or thinking some version of heir to the empire type of story with everyone coming together to stop Thrawn as the big bad, possibly influenced behind the scenes by Palpatine thinking cloning will be a major part of whatever will happen. We will see the return of Han and Leia to help along with the new Republic and be introduced to five or a five-year-old. So Ben Solo then taking the throne of Mandalore, Ahsoka being a nomad, but helping the galaxy along with a reunited rebels crew. Finally, I feel like Grogu will end up on Dagobah as a way to keep him safe in the long run. It would be fun to have him connect to whatever the next stories of Rey and Finn become down the line. We will see a show after the dust settles called the Skywalker Academy and finally see Luke training Ben and other Jedi. The Skywalker saga will never end. What do you guys think will happen? Sorry for the long emo, but you guys are the best. Well, thank you so much for that, Eric, and all your ideas for the potential of where the direction these series can go. And I don't know, some of them he mentioned I could see happening, but some I could see going in a different direction. I definitely think um, as far as the big threat revealing with Ron, it is going to have some of that, I think, setup and cloning stuff that they're going to do with Snoke that was teased in episode four of season two of The Mandalorian. Um, I also think, too, that we are going to see more of the legacy characters. I, especially with our, how good things are looking with Luke right now, I really think we might see the kind of the reunion that I know a lot of people were kind of hoping for, but we didn't get in the sequels of Han, Luke, and Leia in a story together. If Harrison Ford's up for doing that, and if uh, Carrie Fisher's family kind of signs off on it, I can totally see that big event, like wrap up to this whole, all these series, 
if Han, Luke, and Leia play a role in that. I mean, how does it get any bigger than that? <laughs> I'm not sure how they'll work that into it, but I strongly think now, more so than I did before, that that is a possibility. So I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up being on the table as well. One thing I will disagree on, Eric, just a little bit as far as Din taking the throne of Mandalore. At the end of season two, I totally would agree and thought that was the way to go. But part of me now is leaning towards maybe that role might end up going to Grogu. Like I said earlier, how they're kind of playing up the whole Jedi Mandalorian thing being so rare. And then Grogu now is the only one who's kind of has has those both experiences. And we'll see how much more Jedi training he gets down the line. But I could see that being his ultimate fate too, where we're all thinking Din, but it might have being Grogu, maybe Din sacrifices himself to protect Grogu, and Grogu ends up being the one to lead Mandalore, maybe years down the line. So, but I don't know. There's so many possibilities, like you said, and stuff to speculate on, which is always fun. But right now, that's kind of where my head's at as far as way things can play out down the line. But one thing's for sure, it's going to be fun to see it all happen over the course of these series for the next few years, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know, man. I think... I think as far as like the fate of Mandalore, well, first thing, I mean, who knows if there even is a throne of Mandalore to sit on anymore. I mean, we saw how thoroughly it got bombed and yeah. talking about, you know, they, they turned that planet to glass, but whatever sort of, I mean, Mandalore, I think obviously is still going to be important and whether it's rebuilding it or reclaiming it for the empire or just sort of continuing on that legacy of someone being, you know, the rightful ruler of the Mandalorians. I think as far as this show goes, I think that still probably is poised to be Din Djarin. Um, just because I don't think we're going to see Grogu age to a point in this show where he's going to be like old enough to like take on, you know, sit on the throne of Mandalore and like understand what that responsibility means. Maybe, you know, maybe Din takes over, but like has Grogu as his son. And then maybe we see a story a hundred years from now where Grogu is now the leader of Mandalore or something like that. Um yeah, I probably should have specified that because, like you said, kind of hard to do that when you're still kind of a baby. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think this eventually down the line, like even hundreds of years, like Grogu's going to ha have his hand in both. I think of really Mandalorian being a Jedi. I think that's going to be his his fate um, as we get move years beyond all, everything that's happening in this series. Yeah, and I think that would be really cool to see eventually. Like, and who knows, you know, when when they would get around to telling that story. But I think that possibility will always be there. And I think that's a cool thing to kind of look towards and build towards. I would even um, love it if like that whole big event series that wraps up everything, if it ends with kind of a big old flash forward where Grogu is the one kind mm, of telling the story. Of that would be really fired. cool. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Um, but uh, yeah, have you seen, there's like a fan art that somebody made and it's like a, a fan art of an older Grogu with like, I think he has like the dark saber and has Mandalorian armor on, or maybe he just has a lightsaber, but he, he like, he's, he's clearly like, he's got a lightsaber and he's also got, and I think he, he's even wearing some kind of like Jedi, like robe type thing, mm. but he's got some armor over it and he's got Mando's pauldron. That's got the, um, the, the mud horn. And then there's kind of like some text with it. That's just kind of like a made up conversation between like him and a young Padawan. And he's explaining to like the Padawan is asking him, like, how can I like hold on to my attachment? He's like, if I'm a Jedi and I'm not supposed to have attachments, like how can I also like, you know, love my, my friend or like, you know, 
care for someone or, or be, you know, like have a strong bond with someone that I'm attached to. And Grogu's basically explaining to him like that you can do both. And and he's mm-hmm. like, well, how can it be done? And Grogu's like, because I did it. And like, it is yeah. the way. Um, and, and, you know, again, he's, he's still wearing a piece of Mando's armor. So like, it would be really cool to see something like that. Um, but I will say, you know, it's funny because, you know, Eric wrote in that email, he's like, you know, Oh, I'm probably going to be wrong and I'm probably way off base and then goes to list all this stuff that I'm like, no, I think that's going to be pretty spot on <laughs> with Thrawn coming back and it being some sort of heir to the empire inspired story. I think we definitely have not seen the last of Luke. I think he's going to play some, maybe not a huge role in terms of like screen time or, or how big he's involved, but obviously he's going to be, have some, in, uh, some significant involvement in whatever this story is. Um, him and the Jedi and, you know, even seeing the beginnings of him building this school, I think we'll probably see that play more of a, a role, you know, going forward and maybe even see some of the early students that he starts training. And then, yeah, maybe we will see Han and Leia at some point as well. Um, like I would love to see that. And I would love to see the three of them together. I would also be happy if it's just Luke, just because like, I don't want to, I don't want them to overdo it with like, de-aging and recreating you know completely digital characters and and all this kind of stuff but at the same time like it just would be so cool to see the three of those characters together again and have them all have an important role of the story but at that point at at the same time you also don't want to take away from mando and ahsoka and these characters that are sort of like the central focus of these stories um but i think there's going to be you know a lot of room especially if thrawn comes back and is leading some sort of imperial remnant like there's a lot of different stories and a lot of places you could go with that and a lot of different people that could be involved so i can't wait to see where it goes how big it's going to be who's going to show up um and just what the you know what the epic conclusion um ends up being to all this but i think it's going to be a lot of fun and i can't wait to uh to go on that journey and get all these stories um but thank you to eric for the email and thank you to you guys that you know chimed in on on twitter with your thoughts and we always love hearing from you guys and uh just sharing all all the excitement for this star wars stuff um you know can't wait to uh keep talking to you guys about kenobi and all the other stuff that's coming out this year so um as always if you're not already following us on social media you can follow us on twitter at star wars tsc you can check out our facebook page at uh, star wars the saga continues on facebook you can email us at starwarstsc at gmail.com if you want to have your email read on the show like Eric. And you can also uh, check out our website at starwarstsc.com to find all of our latest episodes and news stories and all that kind of stuff. Um, and also be sure to check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Uh, but that's going to do it for us uh, with our review of the last two episodes of the Book of Boba Fett. And like I said, I'm sure we'll probably come back at some point and maybe do a retrospective on the whole season. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll get a Kenobi trailer sometime soon and won't have to wait too much longer for that. But we got lots more exciting Star Wars stuff coming up this year um, that we're excited to talk about you guys or talk about with you guys. So um be sure to stay tuned thank you guys for listening we will see you next time and may the force be with you see you next time everybody